start. Let's just get into it. So we're doing it. Yeah. Uh, this is our podcast, If We Never Got Hurt. I'm Dalton. And my name's Drew. All right, first we're going to start off with talking a little bit about the NFL draft co- up this upcoming season. We Drew and I uh, both made kind of first-round mocks and notable players. We're not going to read them all off for the list, but... Right. Yeah. Do you, you want to uh, start with your top five? Yeah, I can go my top five. So I had Jacksonville taking Trevor Lawrence. I don't think there's... That, that's not a shock. Urban Meyer signed there. Lawrence is going one. I had the Jets taking Kyle Pitts. Um, I can see them going Zach Wilson. They probably will end up going Zach Wilson. I just kind of wanted to make it interesting. Their tight end position's bad. And it could help Darnold if they keep Darnold around another season. Um, at three, I went Jamar Chase. Makes sense. Dolphins have no weapons. At four, I went Falcons. He can sit behind Matt Ryan for a year. Maybe two. That's not even a need, really, but like it just makes sense to get a new quarterback in there and get off Matt Ryan when the cap hit's not as bad. And then at five, Bengals, Penn Isowell. Offensive line's terrible. Get the best offensive lineman available. It's pretty simple. Yeah, that's my top five. So I run kind of, not kind of, but uh, first pick, same. Trevor Lawrence, number one. Yep. Obvious. We knew that two years ago. Yeah. Uh, man's a god. Uh, two, I say that the Jets pick up um, Jamar Chase. Makes sense. Because they needed an offensive weapon, and he's, I'd say, the best receiver in the class. Yep, I get that. They're short at both positions. Yeah. Um, three, I go with the uh, Dolphins picking Penai Swell. Okay. Because I think that they could keep him at left tackle. Right. Because he wouldn't be blind, doing the blind side right away, so that's a lot of pressure off a rookie, and they have a decent right tackle. Mm-hmm. So Austin Jackson, their first yeah. round pick. Yeah. So they two first round pick tackles, great. That way they could spend their money because the team has a decent amount of money on offensive weapons. Right, I get that. Um, four, I go Zach Wilson. Yep, Falcons. Yeah, that just makes sense. It makes sense. He'll sit behind. Ryan for two years, yeah, I'd say. One or two. Whenever However, his contract's over. Whenever the cap hit isn't as bad. Yeah, basically. Getting rid of him, that's how long you'll sit back there. Five. So basically, the Bengals in this situation would be in a pinch because Penny swells off the board. Right. So this is where I say they take best player available in Micah Parsons. Okay. That makes sense. Their defense isn't a strong suit by any means. Their line is pretty good. But at linebacker, um, they be, had a kid who was pretty good out of the draft this year. But, I mean, you can never have too many good linebackers. Yeah. So I get that. That's not bad. I, I That's pretty solid. No, like, again, I have, like, no disagreements with any of those points. It was just kind of we ordered them differently. Which is fine. I don't think that's outrageous. All right. So I'll do my 6 through 10. Yeah, go ahead. We'll do, like, first. Maybe we might do the first round pick by pick. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so seven, I have Patrick Sertain, or six, Patrick Sertain. Eagles to the Eagles because they need weak secondary. Sec- yeah, weak secondary. Like even even though they have like Avante Maddox, um, the Sydney dude. It's not good enough. Uh, right. Slay. It's it's good, but it's it's not great, and they're not a very 
just the, not even just the secondary, but the whole roster in Philadelphia is not healthy. I'm with you. I'm with and plus, you. Slay's old. He's got, I think, one more year left, one or two more years left on contract, and he's in his 30s. Yep. No, I think I think a smart move would be a quarter. Um, Detroit Lions, um, they kind of got rid of a lot, but I'd just go Gregory Rousseau here. This would be more of a best player available. You can put him across from um, Trey Flowers. Yep. Uh, eight, I put Caleb Fairley. I don't think Carolina's going to go with a quarterback. I think they're happy with what they got out of Teddy Bridgewater without Christian McCaffrey this year. We have to remind that. Yep. They still kind of balled without their best player on their team. So I think they're going to go strengthen up their defense. Because honestly, like they have good safeties. I, the corner needs a little bit of work. Um, Denver Broncos. I have the grooming Rashawn Slater. Okay, I get that. The offensive line. Yeah. That They need it really bad up there. Makes sense. Uh, then we get to the fun Dallas Cowboys pick. And I oh, go yeah. Jalen Phillips. Okay. Because... Their defense is just atrocious. Yeah, it's... I don't even know who they had starting at D-tackle last year. It's bad. It's pretty bad. I'm, I'm, I think I'm with you there. I can see that. The Cowboys just really need to strengthen that defense in any way. Literally any way possible. So, yeah, Cowboys should go defense. Uh, I'll go with what I did. So, I actually prefer your Eagles pick to mine. Um, I, had, have them? I had them taking Waddle. Um, it's a wide out. You give Hurts a weapon. I don't know. Looking at it, I prefer your pick because they went wide out last year. And you, But at the same time, it's a weapons league. You get Hurts another weapon. And if Hurts can't perform with Waddle and more first-round talent there, you kind of get a gauge like, okay, we need to move off him. Yeah. So, But I prefer the corner pick. I, I get with that. Um, the Lions I had going Micah Parsons at seven. I just think they're weak at linebacker. They always are. Micah Parsons would provide such a boost for that team. I mean, it, I don't know if he's like... Some people are saying he's not the surefire number one linebacker. He is in my eyes. Just a lot of talent. He's a freak athlete. He can rush the pass or he can drop in coverage. Really would help the Lions. The Lions need just better linebacker play i can see the edge rusher pick with rasal that makes sense i just went parsons um at eight i had the panthers going fields everything that i've heard is uh, matt rule doesn't love bridgewater long term and bridgewater is not to like not to be a metaphor or anything but bridgewater is like a bridge quarterback they're just putting him there until they can get a guy they really like yeah so i had them going fields i have a tough time seeing fields drop outside like the top 10 just because of his his name value his notoriety and then i think he's got some real talent um nine i had denver go caleb farley they're a little weak at corner now it's not the strongest position for them. They have a couple of good corners. I think they have A.J. Boye, and um, they used to have Chris Harris. I don't know if they still he's have He's on the Chargers now. Yeah, he's on the Chargers, so they're weak at corner. I had them going. Caleb Farley, he can kind of hold it down. And then I had um, – hold on, let me make sure I had this right. Yeah, okay. 
I had Dallas going with Jalen Phillips. It just makes sense. Adds an interior defensive lineman. Their pass rush has been relatively disappointing, you know? So it just makes sense to beef that defense. Yeah. But that's what uh, me through 10. And then do you want me to hit 11 through what? 15? Yeah. Okay. So, at 11, I had the Giants going Gregory Rassel. Just adds an edge rusher. You have Leonard Williams off one end, who hasn't been a great pass rusher. He's been serviceable. I think he's like a 7-8 sack kind of guy, but he's not, you know, a star edge rusher. You throw Rassel on that edge, it's going to help you out. Uh, I had San Francisco. I had them going with Patrick Sertain. I just think their corner position is kind of the weak spot in their defense. They have no other weaknesses. Linebacker play is super strong. Um, defensive line, obviously, is phenomenal. Their safeties are all right. But, I mean, at corner, they have an aging Richard Sherman. And then I don't even know who the second corner is, frankly. It just made sense to me to go certain there. Um, at 13, I had the Chargers getting Rayshon Slater. He's a tank. He's been rising up draft boards a lot lately. Chargers need better offensive line play. Get Rishon Slater in there. He's going to help out your O-line. Um, at 14, I had the Vikings going Quiddy Pay or Paye. Just another edge guy. Their edge rush is kind of weak right now. It's not weak because they have Daniel Hunter, but they don't really have a second edge rusher. I like Quiddy Paye or Pay. I don't know how it's pronounced. I just like him. I He probably goes later. But I like him. It just it makes sense to me. Then at fifteen, I had the Patriots going Devonte Smith. I just tough to pass on him at that point in the draft. Patriots need a wide receiver. I don't really see a quarterback for them. I mean, you could pick Mac Jones, but I don't. I don't know. Some people really like Mac Jones. I'm not like super in that camp. The athleticism just isn't great. He reminds me a lot of like what Tua was at Bama last year and I feel like you can use that as a learning experience because Tua hasn't been great in the NFL so far. So. Yeah, I think another thing to look at with Mac Jones is just how good Alabama is. Right, Like it's surrounding it's, talent, his receivers are open. It's however many big star recruits they get there every year and how many people play on that team who don't even get scholarships just because they want to play for Bama. Right. He's good, don't get me wrong, but little might be a little bit of talent yeah, inflation. That's kind of what I'm thinking. I'm on board there. So my 11th with New York is getting them a weapon. So Devonta Smith, I'd say we could go 11 there. Get Danny Dimes another good target. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, 12, nice and easy. I think um, Justin Fields goes 12 to San Francisco. Makes sense. And I then pick. I think after that, he he might start. He might be ready enough. Right. But I think they play him one year after Garoppolo and then ship Jimmy out. Um, then 13, I have Christian Derrishaw to the Chargers. It's just a neat at position for them. Yep. Um, 14 is very interesting because just the other day, um, Kyle Rudolph got cut from the Vikings. Yeah. I think this is a great spot for him to land, and the Vikings are getting a great generational talent. Hey, Cats, why are you fighting? <laughs> but um, I just think it's a great spot for them to get the talent, and it's a good positional need. Yeah, that makes and sense. And 
I personally don't really see him going higher in the draft just because of I'm not sure how many GMs are going to value a tight end that early. Um, Pitts? Like he's I, like he's good. The thing with Pitts, it's just Pitts could be more than a tight end to me. When you look at the speed, the after catch ability, he's just super unique. I know two is like really high for a tight end. I don't even know if a tight end's been picked at two. I know um, Hawkinson was picked at like six or eight in a year. I think it was eight. A couple years ago. He was picked really high. But I mean, I don't know. I get it. I understand. It's a little low, but, well, for me, but like, I get it. I, I understand it. My uh, 15th pick is to New England um, getting Trey Lance because Bill needs a quarterback. And, hey, Cam's dog shit like we all knew he would be. So, great young raw talent from a small school. I don't know why New England likes the small no-one schools, but I think that Trey Lance would be the pick there because they need a quarterback to start their next generation. Because I don't, I don't think Belichick's going to sit there if he's not winning. You no, know? probably not. I actually like that. Player to highlight would be, like, Jalen Waddle. I just, I, he's yep. he's 16. He's right outside my top 15. Speed's crazy. But, yeah, him, Arizona Cardinals. Be a burner. In good offense. young target for that offense. They need a number two, too. The DeAndre Hopkins contested all that. You have someone now to run the streaks and yep. get him away. I, th- yep. I think that's just a great fit at wideout if he falls, which I do think he will because... Even though there are some good wideouts in this class, not a lot of teams need it or are in that need. Like more more positions could be filled. It's kind of weird the way the Cardinals are because the way the Cardinals are constructed, they need a number two. Bad JJ Watt signing, by the way. Yeah, a lot of money for an injury-prone defensive lineman who's thirty-two years old. But they need an offensive line, and they don't have a number two. Their offensive line is extremely weak. I don't think they have one player on their O-line that I like a lot. They had a tackle pick last year in the third round. Josh Jones. I thought Josh Jones was cool. He just fell that far because of physicals, so I don't know if he's going to be any good. But he's kind of cool. But aside from that, like, I don't really like anybody on that O-line. If they could draft an O-lineman this year, that'd be great. Or if Jalen Waddles at 16, I feel like he's the obvious pick. Best available, a lot of talent. Uh, I think another notable guy, um, he's linebacker from Notre Dame, Jeremiah Owusu, I think it's Koromoa. I had him going 18 to the Dolphins. Same. Just super versatile. Pass coverage. Great fit. He can even line up against... I was watching this. He lined up against Devontae Smith in the slot when they were playing a playoff game. Like They trusted him that much that they had him line up with Devontae Smith. That says a lot. Some people think he's going to run like a 4-4 or like a 4-3. He's only like 5'10", but like as a linebacker to run... Roquan Smith is 5'10". He's very Roquan, Roquan Smith-ish, honestly. Sorry, there's a fucking fruit fly on my face. <laughs> but he's very Roquan Smith-ish. He's fast. He can cover. He can cover a lot of ground and make tackles. He's not weak either, you know what I mean? Like, It just makes a lot of sense. He fits right in there with the Dolphins. I feel like that's a really good pick for them. And then, obviously, Flores. He gets the most out of 
a lot of different players. And oh, yeah. He can get the most out of this kid. I like him a lot. I think he's a great fit for over there. Um, we should just talk about Mac Jones. Yeah. I don't really know the team for him. I, uh, I went Washington. I did, too. Washington. Oh, no way. I did, too. God, we're alike. I went Washington. Because, like, they have Heineke. And I was like, eh. I mean, man man was on LinkedIn yeah. six months ago. And, dude, and, well, I mean, dude played well in the playoffs, but that's not For enough. one game? Yeah, that's not enough yeah, for He, me he did a decide. decent one game. I mean, he could play again, but, like. But like, you're trusting. Just fucking draft a quarterback. You're trusting a really good defense. Even if, Heineke? like, later on, like, a little bit of jumping head, but, like. Even if they don't get Mac Jones or get a quarterback in the first round, like get Kyle Trask. Yeah, do something. Tanner Morgan, something. Yeah, like, he, fucking um, Kellen Mond. Yeah, Kellen they, they Mond don't even have to be a good quarterback. Just no. get a quarterback who played football last year. You know <laughs> that can play, that can compete with Heineke for the position. Yeah, get someone to compete with. I mean, maybe you push Heineke to be the next Tom Brady. Who yeah, knows? Who knows? Yeah. But I mean, yeah. You, you just gotta, gotta do it. Guy. You just you gotta, gotta do it. Because I think they cut Smith, didn't they? They just cut Alex Smith yeah. or something. Or either that or just throw a dumb contract at another quarterback. Like, I mean, they could Trishitsky, do that. Cam Newton, but, maybe. But why would you pay that extra? Just draft a guy. Yeah, honestly. I'm just drafting a guy. Because... And guess what? If he doesn't if, if he doesn't fit in your system, you could probably trade him. Yeah, he, some even team's jo- gonna... Even Josh Rosen. Was tradable. Was tradable. For a second round pick. You yeah. Get a second for Just Rosen. draft a quarterback. Like, and if Mac Jones doesn't work out for you, I mean, oh well. But he just makes a lot of sense on that team to me. Here's what Washington needs to do. One, find a new name. Yep. That's <laughs> Two, mission number one. draft a damn quarterback. And three, beat the Cowboys. It's like yeah, beat all the matters. Cowboys. As long as you're beating the Cowboys, I'm satisfied with it. But... I, like you said, it doesn't even have to be Mac Jones. It's just like you're at 19. Mac Jones is there. You might as well take him. Yeah, it just makes sense. They screwed themselves out of a great spot by making the playoffs. Right. I, just fucking shoot it. You know. Yeah, you might. As <laughs> Name well didn't work out. Try a quarterback. So, and what'd you have with Mac Jones? What? You, what? By the way, where'd you have Mac Jones? Washington. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot I had him with Washington. But, like, apparently a lot of people are really high on him right now because of his performance at the Senior Bowl. I Like, I even saw mocks mocking him as high as 8 to the Panthers. As 8? But that's ridiculous to me. Okay, like, but the Senior Bowl is no different from him playing on Alabama. Right. Like, <laughs> Literally. And I was thinking about it. I was like, why is that going to make me think he's the 8th overall pick? Because when you look at it, there are position players that I like more than him. And there are, like, he's, what, the fifth-best quarterback on the board? Probably. Yeah. If you want to say he's the fourth-best right now, because I think him and Lance, it's debatable who's better right now. But talent-wise, Lance is just overwhelmingly has more potential. So he's, like, the fifth-best projected quarterback on the board. I don't, I don't know. Weird, but... Yeah, I agree. Mac Jones, 19, football team. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, so um, kind of like the bottom four picks, uh, Green Bay, Buffalo, Kansas City, and Tampa Bay. Yep. Don't really matter, but they're still important. They're so significant. Let's hit those ones a bit kind of quick. Go ahead. So Green Bay, please, to God, listen to me. Draft Amon Ross St. Brown. Mm-hmm. He will be there. 
because a lot of people think he's going to be a second round draft pick. Mm. Here's the deal. One, older brother's already on the team. Uh-huh. Two, man is a beast. Okay. And he's someone we can put across from Devontae. And, like, he's been decently healthy in his college career. Um, yeah, uh, Buffalo Bills. I have them with Trey Smith because offensive line. Guard. They need it. Help out there. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Asante Samuel at 31 to Kansas City. Give them another cornerback because just build some depth. Yep. And then Tampa Bay, pick 32. It's the last pick of the first round. Najee Harris. Yeah. Man man had a beast yeah. of a season. Yeah. And here's the deal. The LSU ring chaser was only on a one-year deal. Yep. Do they bring him back? Maybe. Is Ronald Jones good? Who cares? Get, get Najee a, Harris. Get another running back. Ronald Jones can catch passes and be quick. Guess what? Najee, Najee Harris is going to be like a miniature Derrick Henry. He's your power back. Yeah. I actually had that, too. The goal line. Yeah. It's just like Tom Brady's system back in New England. Rex Burkhead. Yep. James White. And then Sony Michelle there, too. Yeah. Where that one seat. That's when they were at their peak with running back play, when they had Michelle operating. Because he could do both. Shit, bring back Fournette and get... Najee Harris. Yeah, yeah it I literally can... does not matter. I I actually I had them picking Najee there's, at their There's team. not much else they can improve on that team. Offensive Just line's start great. building for the future. Receiving weapons are great. I mean, who knows about drafting a quarterback? They probably wouldn't because Tom would get butt hurt. But right, and I mean, well, who's there to draft? Do you draft Kyle Trask thirty two? Yeah, you can ex- get Kyle Trask in the second or third round, probably. Exactly. So I mean, if you really want to draft a quarterback, push it back. I I would anyway. Um, I had a pretty similar, pretty similar draft. I went uh, Tyson Campbell to the Packers at 29. I love that pick. I have Tyson Campbell going, like, a lot higher up. No, I know. I could, the re, and I wanted to have him higher, but I just couldn't find a spot for him, really. Like, I, I was thinking Raiders at 17 That made some sense Exactly where I have him. Yeah, 17 I just to didn't the Raiders. have him go there. And that might have been Packers fan bias because yeah. I wanted him on the Packers. But like, It'd be great. Yeah, and if Fuck he doesn't Kevin get King. picked... Uh, Asante Samuel Jr. Yep. Same thing. I had him going to the Chiefs as well. We were we exactly. the same dude. idea there. Amazing. I had the Bills going uh, Jamin Davis out of Kentucky. That dude is a beast. I think he's just... I don't think he's tapped into his full potential yet. He's so athletic. He's big. He's at bare minimum going to be, I think, a good run defender. And then if you have three linebackers, you have, uh, Trey, you have Edmonds, Milano... And Davis as your three linebackers behind your four three front. I just I think that's really good. I can see the Trey Smith route. I had him as my second round notable. He's like my first one I put there. I I've also I've watched film on him also and I love his handwork. Yep. I think a kind of a decent reason why he's a little bit underrated is because of the Kentucky factor. But I do yeah. I like that pick from you too. Yeah. I think Trey Smith or him would be Yeah, they both work. They both work. That's the thing with the NFL draft. That's kind of the beauty of it. It doesn't really matter. I mean, it does, but you can find a way to make a lot of different things fit. Yeah. That's the thing. And every team generally has more than one potential kind of need. Like, know? most of the time you can tell. 
but yeah. a decent amount of t- there's like three candidates in rotation. Right, right. I'm with you there. And then we had the same 31 and 32 picks. Yeah, 31 and 32. I, I had Samuel at 31. Chiefs need secondary help. They kind of got torched by the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl. It was really boring to watch. It was just a bad game. I turned it off before halftime. Not just because of Miley Cyrus, but... No, I turned it off. I I didn't watch the halftime thing, and then I didn't watch much of the third quarter, and I didn't watch the fourth quarter at all. Dude, I turned off the Super Bowl for Vampire Diaries. Like, yeah. It was so boring. I mean, not that Vampire Diaries is a terrible show, but, like, it's the Super Bowl. Yeah, I took took work off and everything for it, because I was like, oh, Packers are going to be in the Super Bowl, because fuck Tom Brady. But no. Nope. Tom Brady had Kevin King happened. Yep, I'm Kevin blaming King. the entire Super Bowl on Kevin King. Yep. I, that, that Without that end of the second half touchdown. I blame it on a missed pass interference call and Kevin King. Yeah. Those are the two big things. Without that, yeah, you're right. Without that touchdown going into the second half, very Momentum's killed. It's still 14 to 10. Exactly. We probably get the ball at the 40 if they call that pass interference and we kick a field goal and bam, it's 13-14. Or we score a touchdown and it's seventeen to fourteen. Very different game. Yeah, yeah. It's that one missed call that led to a touchdown really swung so that game. Dumb. It swung so that game. dumb. And then with how well the Packers defense played in the second half, it's kind of like I don't know. I I want that, that's it. a tough pill to swallow. Still. It is. This should have been the year they went to the Super Bowl. Honestly, honestly, I think a Packers Bills game would have been more entertaining than the than the Buccaneers Chiefs. I think Packers Chiefs would have been more entertaining. Literally any team, any team combination, but the, the two. I mean, it's always hard to plan out the Super Bowl like like the Rams, yeah, Patriots one, but like yeah. Tom Brady, make your Super Bowls more exciting, right? Like Jesus, get your shit together. <laughs> and then I had Najee Harris at thirty-two. All right. Let Leonard Fournette walk. You got Najee Harris right there. Can fill that spot for cheaper. Where do you see Dylan Moses falling, and what kind He's of teams? So do you, interesting. And what kind of teams do you think are looking at him? Because as a Packers fan. If he's in the second I, round. I definitely now, take him second round. Like I, we we kind of have some studs from last year. But, but I like mean, the thing with Moses is Moses coming into last year's draft. You can never have top, enough guns in your trunk. He was a top ten pick coming into last year's draft, and then he got hurt, and then he opted not to play. I think this season because of COVID. So now his draft stock is like low second round. But he, that's the thing. Like he was such a high there. talent, and then he doesn't doesn't play and drop. So obviously he still has had something. Yeah, the talent is there. I I would really like to have him if he's available. I think it'd be It's good so there. weird because, like, so I was looking through a, a couple of mock drafts Dude, in preparation for um, this, right? Almost, I didn't see him very much. No. I didn't see him. Even in three-round mock drafts, I didn't see him. I only started to see him in four-rounders. I know. It's so crazy. And the talent is there. Like, if he's in the third round, I am taking him in the third round. If the pack, if he's if he lasts to the fourth fourth round, you have the to. Packers are so dumb. You have to take him you in the fourth to. round if he's there. Just like he should sense. not make it past three. He shouldn't. The talent is overwhelming. Maybe he's just absolutely awful because of injury. Now I don't think that's the case though. I mean, it just doesn't because he was rated so high, so high. 
I, it's it's weird. It's really weird to see him where he is on draft boards now. A lot of my like significant notables outside of the first round are like all players I kind of want to see on the Packers. So like <laughs> like Sean Wade. Oh yep. Just I know he kind of got torched in the fell out of the first round in the championship bowl. Like every fell out. Mock. But I think he's he's still good, better than Kevin King. Probably. <laughs> Paulson Adebo, another yep. cornerback. I, I like, like him. him. Probably better than Kevin King. Probably. Uh, there are more corners that I think are better than Kevin King. Yeah. But just those are the two that I'm just, really kind of hoping for. Just going to leave it at that. Yeah. And I'd say maybe look at Jackson Carmen for a tackle. Yeah, he's all right. Th- those, are, those are like my notables, mainly because I'm just like, oh, Packer picks, let's go. Yeah. I like for my notables, so I had Amon Ross St. Brown. Yep. Obvious notable there. I had Travis Etienne as a notable. I think he's going to be a second-round pick or whatever. I think he's going out for the draft this year, isn't he? Etienne? Yes. He's in the draft. He's a notable to me. Um, Trey Sermon, Ohio State running back. Hmm. He's a tank. I think he's a notable. Um, Amari Rogers, receiver at Clemson. Kind of like him. He makes some sense. Um couple tackles that used to be higher rated, Walker Little and Samuel Cosme. Two guys that I think, I mean, they both had first round grades coming into this year. They're like second or third round caliber guys now. But I mean, if you get one of those guys, there's a lot of talent there. It's just some of the production just didn't match up with it in college. Yeah. But I think there's talent there and there's obviously the size on both of them is like insane. But like, I think there's some legitimate talent there. A um, couple tight ends, Brevin Jordan and uh, Pat Fryermuth. I like Brevin Jordan. Yeah, both, both notable. Brevin Jordan has some legitimate after-the-catch ability, which I really like. I, he's got some stuff to him. I, I had Trey Smith. Trey Smith is fun. I had J.C. Horn, another corner. Yes, I, I like J.C. Horn I as like well. I like him. I think he could be a Packers pick. Also had Sean Wade. Just makes sense. Uh, Tillon Wallace as well. Uh Tillon Wallace is a wide receiver. Where did he go? Uh, Oklahoma State. Really good size. Good route runner. Main thing with him, though, is the physicals. He's tall, long, can make contested catches. I, li- I like him. He's, he just makes some sense. And then I actually, I, I don't know if you had this. I had Bateman um, as a notable. I had Bateman in my first round. First round, yeah. He's, yeah. A, he's a late first, early second guy. So you can have him wherever. But I had him as a notable because he's top of the second round for me, like second or third pick of that round. Just because I don't, the Packers have a tendency not to draft receivers. So. Or, yeah. And then I was looking at other teams that maybe could use him. The Ravens could maybe use him at 27. Since I they don't going, believe in Hollywood Brown for some whatever reason. Yeah, I had them going Rondell Moore just because he's kind of like Hollywood, but he's a little better after the catch and he can yeah. do stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I had Bateman as a notable. You so can, if you have him in the first round, I don't disagree. Yeah. So some of the notables that I I kind of went short on mine in the beginning, so you might have some. So some of the ones right. that you didn't add that I have. Um, Hamilcar Rashad. Fun one. Um, Terrence Marshall. Yep. Uh, Alex Leatherwood. Yep, Alex Leatherwood. And then a lot of talent. Jalen Trin. Okay. I don't know much about him actually. He just has solid film to me. I don't think he's going to be a high pick. I don't even know if he's going to be good. He just looked good just on looked film. looked good for you. Yeah. 
I get the Leatherwood thing. Leatherwood was a he's a pro- high, he'll be a project. Yeah, he was a high first round rated guy coming into this season. I see him going three or four, three, third or fourth round. Yeah. Now, yeah, now I see the same. It's kind of weird to think that that's where he is now, but that happened to a lot of people in this <clears throat> draft class. Yeah, it too. really did. Wyatt Davis out of Ohio State. I think some of it's COVID, people not yep. playing or playing. There's shortened be a lot of seasons, guys. who plays, how many games they played. Who opted out, who <clears> didn't. BS Ohio State. Yep. But. Like, I was looking at Creed Humphrey, Oklahoma Center. Yeah, he's, what happened? He's a first-round grade guy early. He's, he's like a second-round guy in a lot of mocks now. I get it, but like. Because he's a center, but at the same time, like he was a low to mid first round grade kind of guy coming into this college football season. I think that there are going to be a lot of guys. Him, Wyatt, and Cosme are like the biggest like drop offs that are just like why. And Walker Little, man, Walker yeah. Little is so weird. I ex- like I think Cosme immediately after last year's draft. I remember I looked at the next mock, and for like a few months there before the college football season. Cosme was ranked like he's like 12th on a lot of draft boards like he was top 15 and now he's a second rounder I think there are just a lot of guys in this upcoming draft that'll get picked in the second round the third round the fourth round and they'll actually come on and be good players because we don't have as much film it's on your nose it's off now (laughs) but we just don't have as much film and we didn't get to watch everybody as much as we would have liked to it's a really weird season, but I think it's going to work to some teams' benefits more than others. Like, I could see, like, if you get a guy like Patrick, uh, not Patrick, I was going to say Patrick Bateman, American Psycho, Rashad Bateman <laughs> is going to fall because he opted out of some games early, and then some team's going to end up with him, and they're going to be blessed because he's going to end up being a good player, I think. Yeah, I think I think an important thing for teams to, like, look at, I think they should look at the before COVID rankings and yep. the after. Because yep. players like Dylan Moses and like Bateman have fallen because they opt out and exactly. things change. Walker, so, Cosme. Yeah, don't guys, don't rule anyone out. Don't rule anybody out. This say. year's first round. Once you get to about, I would say, twenty-one with the Colts on down, super flexible. I think it's even flexible yeah, further up. Like that's. I started having a lot of trouble with the Colts. Yeah, I just I, had a feeling they'd pick a receiver, a big one. Mm-hmm. So who'd you end up going with? Bateman. Okay, I went Kadarius Tony. Yeah, of, that's a good one. A lot of size. He's a high, high ceiling, really low floor, mm-hmm. really low floor. But He's either going to be bad team, or great. I think some teams just going to say fuck it and roll the dice on Tony. Yeah. Some teams gonna. His speed is ridiculous. Isn't it spelled with an E? It's T O N E Y. God, that's okay. Little sidetrack. Would you rather have a kid named that Tony or hear me out? Tony, but like baloney. So it's like T O G N A. Like Bologna. That's a good Togna. Question. Tony Baloney, you know? I think, you see, because that one you could throw like people's pronunciations off. I wouldn't want my kid to go through that, but. That'd be a dope name. At the same time, I would also kind of like to see the displeasure it gives other people trying to pronounce my kid's name. So I think I would go Tagna over T-O-N-E-Y. 
Because T O N Y is the way you just. It's just the way you'd think yeah. you'd spell it. You gotta do something different. I kind of fuck with the Tagna spelling. Yeah. T-O-G-N. I don't know. I don't remember. It's kind of dope. I don't remember when that thought got into my head, but it's been in my head for, like, a couple of years, it's, and I just bring it up every year and there. It's kind of dope. Like, it could be a I middle name. I might make it a middle name. What am I, child? That could be kind of a cool middle name. And it makes sense for you because yeah. you have family ties to the name or whatever, so. Yeah, that'd be, but that'd you'd be Tagna, so it'd be, like, spelled differently. <laughs> fuck with that Tagna. but yeah this year's draft I like our breakdowns we obviously had some like different things but I don't disagree with anything you said like at all I just yeah. think it's a matter of preference for these teams and just a matter of what the coaches want there's very few very few situations where I feel like there's gonna be best player available picks maybe one or two and that's yeah, in at, the top ten at the top of the draft the, the top is the only place where it's messy in this draft no, I know, because it's like, I think once you hit two is when the draft really starts. We know who Yeah, we know who one is. If it's anybody else, the world might burn down if they pick, like, Matt Zach Jones. Wilson or... No, wait, they don't do that. The only guy that a franchise might even consider is, like, Zach Wilson. Because I've heard some people really like him. Okay. Not Jacksonville. Jacksonville's taking Lawrence, but, like... Maybe... I think a team would, like, go out on a limb and take I don't know. Because, I mean, we're talking Jacksonville. Jacksonville, I would think they have... I don't think there is a team that would mess up that pick. I bet there is. There's one team that would do it. The Jets might fuck it up. They might take Zach Wilson in that situation. Maybe. I don't think they would, though. And hear me out. <laughs> Maybe the Patriots take Justin uh, Fields at number one for diversity. Oh. <laughs> diversity storyline. Makes sense. They had Newton last year. They have to look diverse. <laughs> That's, like, the only reason I can... I'm trying to think of, it's like... It's just dumb. Like, who else would you fucking... Who could fuck... The Lions might fuck it up. And... Jared Goff and yeah, draft a quarterback. You, you have Jared Goff and then you draft Zach Wilson number one overall instead of Trevor. God, that, that would be the most cancer. Lions thing ever though. Like, let's it be would honest. be. Okay, but I kind of think the Jags should trade down. Well, is there a reason for them to? Like, Minshew's not bad. Yeah, but I mean... He's not the bad. The opportunity to take Lawrence... <laughs> Okay, but say they... Who has two picks? You're looking at... Jacksonville has two picks. <laughs> oh, Jacksonville does have two picks. But they could easily trade down to, like... I mean, if they wanted to... Five and get another first-round pick for next year? If they wanted to and they liked Zach Wilson enough, maybe. But like, they like, could easily move down a spot. Oh, yeah, the Jets would do it in a heartbeat. But if I have Jacksonville, I'm not doing that. Okay, if if you were the Jacksonville, what would be... what What is the minimum you need attached to that number two pick to let them move ahead of you? It's a good question. Because if I'm Jacksonville... Would it be a player or another asset? That's another good... I, I would say it'd be a player. You might need both. You might need a player and another pick. 
to get that. You might need two firsts and a player, like a good player. Okay. Because you get Urban Meyer there. Urban Meyer definitely thinks he's getting Trevor Lawrence. That's what he thinks. But what if he's the one, he could pull the strings? What if he likes Justin Fields, though? Exactly. He could pull the strings, move down, because that's get a stud. Technically his guy. Exactly. That, that's what I was kind of thinking about today. But Fields is his guy. Right. They're at number one. Everybody wants Lawrence. Yeah, everybody wants him. It's just like you would have to be really, really high on Justin Fields or Zach Wilson to trade down if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm just trying to think of who in the Jets they could get rid of. They wouldn't get rid of left tackle. No, they're not trading Beckton. Because if you're drafting Lawrence... He's like the only good player I can think of off rip. Yeah, I'm, it, um, if you're drafting Lawrence, you're keeping Beckton. You need yeah. that. Maybe the Jay Crowder Maybe two first. Maybe Williams. I bet you Quentin could. Williams, number three overall pick. You wouldn't have contract team. issues. Solid. Quentin Williams, a first and like a second. Quentin Williams and two firsts might get it done. Maybe. That'd be a good trade, though. It would make sense if... And then they get Fields at two? If you were really high on Justin Fields, because I think the only quarterback that really has a chance, even though I think Zach Wilson will go to the Falcons at four, I think the only quarterback that really has a chance to go over Trevor Lawrence is probably Justin Fields. And somebody would need to be really high on him. Uh, That being Urban Meyer and the Jacksonville front office. So, I don't see it. But in a world where Urban Meyer is like, no, Fields is my guy. I recruited him. He was at Ohio State. I watched him for multiple years play really good football there. And I can get... I can make a really good team with Fields at the helm. You get me two more firsts and Quinn and Williams... It's sounding better on paper, isn't it? A little, but it's not going to happen. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Just watch it happen draft night. If that happens, I'll lose my shit. And so will Jets fans, because Jets fans will be Dude, ecstatic. they'd have to move the team back to New Jersey. Jets fans? Like the Jets? Yeah. Dude, the Jets would be so pumped. I mean, technically the stadium's already in New Jersey. But if the Jets got Trevor Lawrence, their fan base would be so stoked because their whole mission, like this entire regular <sighs> season, was we need Trevor they Lawrence. They end up getting Trevor him Lawrence in the end. And then they win two games. Watch him just be and a they bust. Just, they just like fall into yeah. a deep depression. And now then they can get him and then watch him like become a bust because then he's in New York. Yeah, if you if you go to New York, you bust. Look at Mark Sanchez. <sighs> Love Mark Sanchez. The Sanchez. The Sanchez. That dude was like a top ten pick, wasn't he? He was like number five or something. Yeah, dude. I still remember what watching that it? Hard Knocks. With the Jets. Yeah. What We're what uh. Pick was Mark they, so basically, in the uh, Hard Knocks, the Jets wanted to bring in a um like a forty year old backup quarterback just to be a me- mentor to the Sanchez. Yeah. And, uh, uh, who was it? San- I think it was the Sanchez who said, like, himself, he was like, when am I ever going to meet your daughter? Because she would, he, they were talking about it, and she was like, oh, she just turned 18. And then the Sanchez was like, when do I get to meet her? And I about oh lost my, my shit. God. That's <laughs> the most Mark Sanchez shit ever. I think it's so funny that now he's, like, 
an analyst that breaks down quarterback film was like, dude, you need to break down your own fucking film. You know what <laughs> picks you through? Christ's sake. Yeah. That's right. He was the fifth overall pick. I remember people kind of thinking that was a reach, but I also remember That was such him, a good team. I remember him being uh, the highest, like, a really highly touted prospect that year. Was that the same draft with, um... Was that the same draft with Stafford? I think it was. Let me look at that. Oh seven? Oh nine. Yeah, Stafford was the number one pick that year. Man, there's some busts. St. Louis Rams took Jason Smith, offensive tackle. Nothing. Who is it? Jason Smith. Don't know who that is. Mm-mm. Kansas City Chiefs, third overall pick. Tyson Jackson, D-end. Don't Ooh. even know who that is. Right. Seattle Seahawks, fourth overall pick. Aaron Curry, linebacker. Don't know who that one is either. I don't know either. who that is. Number five pick, Mark Sanchez. We know who that is He's for God. all the wrong reasons. Speaking about Stafford and, like, the draft. Yeah, we were, uh, we were so, just talking about that 9 draft. Yeah, so Stafford just got traded. Not just, but he got traded to the Rams for Goff and basically all the picks they own. Two yep. first-rounders. Two firsts. Um, and Goff, yeah, we, we said that, though. I think, I think this is a great trade for the NFL. And for Matthew Stafford. Especially for Stafford. Because Stafford is a dog. I think, personally, if he win, if he wins a ring this year, Hall of Fame. Like, that might be a lot. He's, we, we kind of looked at the numbers before. He's, what, 16th? In, like, passing. In 16th passing in passing yards. Yeah, I think. But he could honestly move up this year by passing. Well, I think. this year he's going to get to 12. Yeah, he'll pass Warren Moon. Yeah, Warren Moon's at 12. Testaverde, right? Yeah, he's he's going to be at 12. And likely, I right? think he could play for six more years if he doesn't get absolutely destroyed. What is he, 32? Yeah. Yeah, because so when you look at Five it, more years, maybe? Stafford's sitting at 41,109. Warren Moon, 49,000. And say, say, he, say he adds 20,000 more yards on there. What's he at, like 68,000? 65,000 if he adds 20,000 more yards. And where does 65,000 put him? At five. At five under who? Phillip Rivers. And then I'm assuming Rodgers will end up with more yeah. than that. Rodgers probably ends up in the 70K realm by the end. Because right now he's sitting at 51K. I I think Rodgers, well, how many years do you think he has left? We're looking Forever. At, I hope. We're, we're looking at maybe like <laughs> three. What? Three, three like, good years, and I'd give him one. One, I should retire a year. One, yeah, one. I yeah, think that's how it's gonna go out. You're looking at probably four thousand yards three times, so that's twelve. Yep. And then maybe another four or three. So you're looking at fifteen to sixteen thousand more yards, which would put him up around sixty-seven, which would put him in fifth. Matt Stafford, if you push him another twenty thousand yards, it would put him in sixth at that point. Which makes sense about, and who knows where Pat Mahomes will be on that He's such a time. good um, player. Like, the team obviously hasn't shown us res- uh, a lot of promise, but whenever has a Detroit sports program shown a lot of promise and consistency. Fair. He had one good season where he led the NFC North. He made the one Pro Bowl that year. I, I think it's just a lot of people get more because of the wins. And they don't don't pay attention. Like he is the team. Oh yeah. He, he didn't have to play this year. Like most people have seen the Instagram posts that show all the different injuries he had this year. He he was playing to get out of Detroit. Like 
he's good. He's a great talent. Aaron Rodgers praises him. Yep. A lot of people praise him for being a quarterback. I think I think if he was able to get a ring this year, in his first year, it proves how impactful he is to bring that team, which was a first round exit, right? Well, second because they a, beat the yeah. Seahawks. Which a second round exit, and they bring them all the way to the Super Bowl. I think that would show a lot. Yeah, especially considering that next year they're gonna have to get through Green Bay, and they're gonna have to get through Tampa, um, and you're gonna have to get through. Who knows with Seattle? I don't even know if Russell Wilson's going to be there. I don't think they're going to be that great. I mean, Russell Wilson's bitching and moaning. He could be gone. Tampa Bay, Seattle. Green Bay. Um, uh, New the Orleans. 49ers are going to be back. Oh, yeah, and the Niners. So that that would be the three. Tampa, the Niners, and Green Bay. I'm not sold on Wilson yet. That being said, the Seahawks have been more receptive to calls, which is interesting because you would think with the amount of displeasure that Deshaun has shown versus Russell Wilson, they would be more, Houston would be the team more receptive of calls. I get it from an age standpoint, and I think Deshaun. I don't know if he's better than Wilson yet, but his ceiling is higher. So I understand past that point. Yeah, he could be better than Wilson. I wouldn't blame you if you said he is, but I mean, so I can understand it from that perspective. But I mean. You would think Deshaun has like made it abundantly clear he does not want to be in Houston. Russell Wilson just wants some things to change. I just think Houston can't afford to lose. No, they can't. Three best players in recent history. They can't. But so I think he's gonna be stuck there. They're gonna have to. He's the, he's the either gonna really not play. Him, yeah. And finish out his contract that way. Man, that's a five-year extension he's got to finish though. Eventually, they gotta move him. He. Eventually, I think stuff will come up with the contract, and the NFLPA will do Make him like play. legal shit. You're violating, the or yeah, it's going to be or... something like that, or he doesn't get paid a certain, you know, so it'll it'll be something like that, or he just won't get paid, and they're going to keep the bird rights, or it's not, it's they're not called bird rights, but like just, I understand what you're like Gronk at. was owned by New England even after he retired they had to get permission are you like implying that Watson could just retire yes and even if he if he doesn't play he's retiring technically speaking I or guess holding so. out yeah, he's holding and out. therefore they don't get paid so he would have a five-year hold where the Texans even if he wasn't on a team could just be like no, we don't give you permission to sign him. Yeah, that extension that he took... Is so really... he technically could get bit in the ass by this because the NFL is not like the NBA. No, that extension that he took is really kind of biting... Really kind of biting him back right now. I mean, I understand why he took it at the time. He assumed he was going to have... A good team for the future. A good team for the future, but they traded everybody. And then he was stuck with what he had this year. Subpar defense. Not a terrible offense, but be only because he was there. I mean, I, yeah, that extension could bite him in the ass. I mean, I think he's going to get moved because I think his value right now, you can get like four firsts for him. You can get an insane compensation. Like, I heard a Panthers rumor. Like, you could get Christian McCaffrey, Teddy Bridgewater, and like two or three firsts. So Bridgewater is your bridge quarterback. But I don't know if I'd give that up being the Panthers. Like, if I was in that seat... I would. I don't... I would. I saw Mike Davis play pretty well for the Panthers next year. You can draft another running back. You give up Bridgewater. It is what it is. 
you give up another first or two here and there. None of those players are probably going to be as good as Deshaun Watson is, and he plays the most important position in the sport. True. And then you have the best quarterback in the division, who's also probably the youngest quarterback in the division. I mean, it's Matt Ryan, Tom Brady, and whoever the Saints will have this year, whether it's Drew Brees or Taysom Hill or whatever, or Jameis Winston. I don't know if he resigns there. But, I mean, you're going to have the youngest quarterback in the division and the best quarterback in the division. I would do that trade in a heartbeat if I'm Carolina. Um, if you're tech, if you're Houston, maybe you think about it, but it makes sense. Like you get a star, you get McCaffrey back, so you maintain some name value, some entertainment value. You get your bridge quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater's there for a year. He can hold down the fort while you figure everything else around him. You have multiple firsts. You can pick another quarterback in this year's draft if they give you the eighth pick. You can pick Justin Fields. You can pick Zach Wilson if he's there. You can pick Trey Lance if he's there if you like him. Hey, you can pick Mac Jones if you really like Mac Jones. But you have your bridge quarterback, have a guy behind him, and then you get another first on top of that. I don't know. I think that's a that's an offer that works out well for both teams. But, I mean, there are other places where you could end up. He could end up in New York. The Jets could give you three first-rounders and Quinn and Williams or something crazy. I mean, Jackson could... Uh... One second. You're good. I mean, Houston could probably put together a package to get number one pick. Oh, yeah. Centered around Deshaun Watson for a number one pick. I don't even know if you could I would have to move something else. They would have to. I think you'd have to give up Deshaun in a second. Because you're not giving. You wouldn't, I wouldn't give up a first with Deshaun to get the first overall pick. I, I think they could make a decent, halfway decent package. It'd be like Deshaun in like a third, maybe a third and a fifth. Maybe. That wouldn't be bad. You get Lawrence or like in there. Or like Deshaun in the second versus the first round pick in like a next year six. That it would be something bad. like that. I think they could do. That would be probably the best t- trade for both teams. Yeah, because Jacksonville, what are the odds? Uh, a, what are the odds Lawrence is better than no one would ex- No one would expect it. Houston was supposed to have the second round pick. Now they have the first. They have the, the best new quarterback. Like, that could be a good publicity move for them. The real question is, does Deshaun Watson have a no-trade clause? I'm not sure. That's important, because he might not want to go to Jacksonville, if that's the case. I I gotta look that up. Because I feel like he has a no-trade clause. I really do. He does. He does. Oh... So, yeah, they're kind of fucked. But, but here's the case for Jacksonville. They hire Urban Meyer, so they have a new coach. They don't have Doug Marone in there. Doug They've Marone, got weapons. They've got, like, DJ Chark, D.D. Westbrook. They have $100 million in cap space. A great coach. Well, not, we don't know if he's a great NFL coach yet, but he's a player's coach. Players like him. There's good young pieces. Really good at developing quarterbacks. And then, yeah, you have Chark, you have Westbrook. Allen um, on the defense. You lose Fournette as your running back, but, I mean... It is what it is. You have uh, Robinson, who played really well last season as your running back. You have Josh Allen on the inside. You drafted C.J. Anderson last year, who actually looked pretty good. I mean, there's some pieces there. With $100 million in cap space, Deshaun Watson probably eats up a decent chunk of that. But, I mean, you still have plenty of cap space to spend bringing in Deshaun. There's the case, I guess. You could still add a lot, and you still have that 21st pick in this year's draft, or 25th pick in this year's draft or something to make a first-round selection. So there's the case. It's just, would Deshaun want to be in Jacksonville? Yeah. That's the big thing. 
Damn. I don't know if he would want that to That no Jackson. trade clause really gets him in a tricky spot. Yeah, and because I know he likes the Jets. I know he said he would be willing to be a Jet. So I don't know. They would have to give up back then. Well, if you're the Jets, you can give up three first-round picks, maybe even four first-round picks. I, I don't know if four first-round picks is enough. It probably is. I mean, and here's the thing with the because Jets. Because Houston needs to get something back in this trade. That's the thing. Well, they'll be getting back Zach Wilson for sure. Because with that two pick, you're picking Zach Wilson if you give up to Sean. Yeah. So you're getting back Zach Wilson and multiple firsts in the future. And there is a chance the Jets still suck if they bring in Deshaun Watson. Even with $100 million in cap space and Deshaun Watson, there is a chance they still suck. So you could still get some relatively high first-round picks. It'd be an interesting one. Yeah, it would be kind of interesting. I feel like you might have to include a player. Um, the interesting thing with the Jets, though, they don't have to with the amount of cap space they have. They can afford to just get Deshaun for picks. That's another thing Jacksonville has going for them. They don't need to really throw a player in. Trevor Lawrence and if maybe one guy, if they need to throw in a player, they probably don't. Trevor Lawrence is enough. I would almost just swap those two straight. Like, I, if I'm the Texans, I would be asking for the first overall pick and, like, a fourth, and then I'll give you Deshaun because I'll get Lawrence and, like, a third or a fourth. Probably a third because a third's a significant pick. You could still get a starting caliber player there yeah. probably. So, because I, I don't think it's the Texans moving off more. I think it would be Jacksonville moving off more because the odds of Lawrence being better than Deshaun are slimmer than Deshaun being worse than Lawrence. Yeah. So you would have to give up more if you're Jacksonville in that case, but not much more. You might not even have to give up another first because Lawrence is viewed that highly in a lot of circles. Do you know uh, off-rip if Matt Ryan and Russell uh, Wilson's money match? Because I could see that. Maybe give up pick four. You know what trade is interesting? Because like I don't Wilson? know, I don't know if Atlanta <clears throat> sees Matt Ryan as a bust, or like or like not bust, but like out of it. Oh, if, he's if they see him as out of it, getting rid of that huge contract and that pick, I bet their salary. They could are swap. Close. They could swap first rounds and quarterbacks. I feel like that would be an even deal. You might not even have to swap firsts. I don't think if you're Seattle, you'd want to give up a first. You would want Ryan and the first. I bet. Well, no, if 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 you oh, got oh, Matt oh, oh, Ryan oh, oh. and and pick four, right, and right. then Seattle would give you twenty something, and you would get four. Actually, I don't think the Seattle has a first round pick. Okay, they don't. So Seattle gives you a second, a second or a next year, but or like a third, and you get Matt in the first. Okay. Because I feel like the Atlanta Falcons would want a little bit. They wouldn't just give away that first, right? But you the, could definitely suck, put a package around it. Do you want to know what deal resonates with me a bit for Wilson? Saints. Raiders. I don't know, but I'd like Derek Carr there. So I know, much. but here's here's the package. You put Carr, you put Waller, and you give up two first-round picks. You're getting Russell Wilson with that because you're getting a good quarterback if you're Pete Carroll. You're yep. getting a legitimate weapon, 1,000-yard receiving tight end in Darren Waller, and you're getting first-round picks, which you have none of. Because you traded them for Jamal Adams. Mm-hmm. So you still have a good quarterback. You have a weapon. And you have your first round picks back. 
and you give up the third best quarterback in the NFL, which is a big loss. But I mean, you get a good package back that maybe isn't quite as valuable as Russell, but you can still be a borderline playoff team. You can win 10 games with that. Maybe. Their defense has to be better. Their defense and offensive line is so bad. A lot of their wins yeah, last right. year was Russell offense, Wilson. A lot of their offense is Russell Wilson being able to escape how bad that O-line is. Like, when he's gone, that team is going to have to hard reset. Yeah. Like, Jamal Adams is so screwed because, like, he signed an extension. I, I believe. Like, yeah, I think he did. Like, one, he got traded there. But, man, you get... But, I mean, I think you, if you do that and you get two firsts, you spend those next two firsts... They'd be a line. Minnesota Vikings-quality team. That's... Maybe a little... Probably a little less than Minnesota Vikings-quality. That's kind of where I see them. Their ceiling is 10 Their wins. ceiling is the bottom two seeds. Yeah, their ceiling is 10 wins, and their floor is They're seven a playoff team that did not win their conference. Their floor is 7-9, and nine, and they're... Might even be lower. Their floor might be six and ten. I think that's the Vikings' floor is six I'd, and ten. I'd say about six and ten to ten and six. Six and ten to ten and six. Yeah, eleven and five is pushing it. I think five and eleven or seven and nine as a floor mm-hmm. pushing it. So yeah, ten and six, six and ten. That's kind of that area. That's still a pretty good team. Maybe you make additions to that old line, but I mean, it does kind of stick you in this position where it's like, we're not. Probably, we're probably not going to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. We're just going to be good. Or good enough. Because they still might not have a ton of money. Right. That's the th- That's the other thing, too. They probably won't have a lot of money. Because you're paying Jamal Adams so much. Because I think they extended him for significant money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's another... That's just pickle. unfortunate. I know. They better hope that Russell Wilson isn't so mad that they have to get rid of him because they kind of need him, and they need to pick an offensive line for him because he needs more protection. That's clearly what he's pissed about. Yeah, there's like an obvious four teams crumbling right now. Those being Houston. Houston. Seattle. Seattle. The Jets. Yep. And then... My other one would be the Patriots. I think those I think the Patriots those are four because the they're old, <clears throat> a lot of money. I think those con those four teams are about to be the new Lions, Browns, yeah, Dolphins. The Browns a little bit. I kind of see the Eagles on a downward spiral. Yep, Eagles right are kind of so. downward as well. <clears throat> the reason I'm not they have old offense and a. Yeah, the not reason I'm not so far gone on them, uh, new coach. Defense is so good still. Defense is still solid enough. Secondary's, and they're in literally the worst conference. Their secondary is bad, but I mean, they're in the worst conference in football. So, let's kind of just start with some NBA news. Uh, what have you been seeing so far now that we're already at the halfway break? Just the initial news. I guess, um, weird thing with the Western Conference All-Stars, Anthony Davis... Injured, replaced with Devin Booker. Injured, replaced with Mike Conley. Yet to be injured, so we don't have a replacement for Mike First Conley. First ever All-Star game for Mike Conley. First ever All-Star appearance for Mike Conley, who looked like he was going to go down in history as the best player to never make an All-Star team. Um, but now he has made an All-Star team, so he no longer has that moniker. Which is kind of good for him, because he deserves it and has deserved it for multiple years. He's just always been like 
the fourth or fifth. I don't know if this year's the year deserve it, but he's been pretty good. He does deserve it. He's been pretty good. He's always been like the fourth or fifth fifth best point guard in his respective conference. So he's just been outside the reach of like the elite that are going to make the All Star game because like Steph Curry's a shoe in. Damian Lillard's a shoe in. Those two are now they are. Damian Lillard wasn't always a shoe in, but he has been for multiple years now. And then like going back to his time in uh Memphis, you're looking at Steph Curry in the All Star game, Chris Paul in the All Star game when he was in um Los Angeles. Uh there was a little while while Steve Nash was in um Phoenix. That might have been a little before. And twos his time. were also getting the spots as well. Yeah, and twos are also getting the guard spots. So yeah, Kobe took some spots from him. Uh, Clay Thompson takes some spots from him as a two guard. I mean, you can go down the list. James Harden, Russell Westbrook, those two also took a lot of all star berths from him. So he's just been like outside that Harden, Westbrook, Chris Paul, Stephen Curry like bubble that just kind of keeps him a little outside. Not of not spot. A, not a lot of love for a playmaking guy. You know, I mean, everybody like everybody knew how good Conley was. It's just like he's not better than those guys, so we can't put him above them. Mm-hmm. But now he finally has his opportunity, so I'm really happy for him because he just deserves it. Um, another kind of weird thing, um, probably a soft spot for you a little bit. Heat disappointing start, a lot of injury. Probably will bounce back. In the We're getting back on a win streak. Yeah, they're figuring it out. I think it was only a matter of time. Just yeah. everybody needed to get healthy. Um, Jimmy Butler and Bam. Bam, I think, got snubbed from the All Star game. He definitely He's got snubbed. He's been the best I'm player on the Miami about that. Heat for the majority of the season due to Jimmy's injury. He's so good. But uh, that team, slow start. As of now, I believe is the eighth seed in the East, one game under five hundred. I don't know that for a fact, but they're right there. Or do they fall? They six? They're the sixth they're seed six. right okay. now. They at tied 500. with are they tied with teams? Oh, nope. they're five hundred now. Okay, so yeah. So they're sixth. Charlotte and Toronto. Toronto also a disappointing team. Same with the Pacers, man. Pacers fell off. They're the tenth seed. The Cleveland Cavaliers started off hot, like go sex land, but now they're kind yeah, of yeah, they've doo-doo. they've came back down to earth. I kind of saw that coming, but like multiple I, ten digit losses. Yeah, I kind of thought they might get it together again, but I kind of saw it coming. I'm not gonna act like like I know you thought they were pretty legit there early. I don't blame you. There were some things to like there. I thought they were a playoff lock. Yeah, that was a little much. But there were some things to like there, so I don't blame you. I still think they have a lot of interesting young talent, especially since the uh, trade where they just stole Jared Allen. Jared Allen's awesome. Yeah. And he's a great pickup they for the team. They got him for almost nothing. Because they're terrible on defense on the perimeter with Garland and Sexton. Neither of them can defend. But you know what upsets me the most is what? the Drummond thing. What about it? Sitting him. I mean, there's not a whole lot you can really do it's with him. It's just dumb. It is stupid. He's probably going to get bought out because I don't think any trade team is going to trade for him, and they know they'll just buy him out. If yeah. So I, I know right now they're probably trying to fiend for, like, a second round. Like, they're pick. trying to get rid of him, but they're not going to let him put his product on the floor. Well, they did, actually, for a decent amount there. Yeah, but... I think that... Not that Andre Drummond impacts winning a lot because he's not, like, He was leading NBA in rebounds. 
He always does that, though. I, he doesn't, like, impact winning basketball. But, like, what much. if that's something he cares about? Well, yeah. I've, He's losing all that. Like, it upset. I don't know. I, I, I think it's the right move for Cleveland just because... Jared Allen is really good. He needs to be started. He's, like, way better than Drummond. No, but Drummond's not even playing. That's the thing. No, I know. They could just at least play him and just start. I, think, I don't think Drummond wanted to play. Otherwise, I think he would be. <clears throat> I think if he wanted to play, they'd keep playing him. But, yeah, that team's... Uh, they've cooled down a little bit. Not that they're, they're... They are competitive. They play hard, which I think is good because some teams are just bad. I just don't think they have the defense yet. <clears throat> Like, some teams are just bad, and they don't compete. I would say every team here in the East competes. Except for maybe the Pistons. They compete, though. Sometimes they beat a really good team out of nowhere. Like, they beat the Lakers twice this year or once this year, I think. Their record's dog shit, but it is what it is. The Minnesota Timberwolves are a train wreck. They need to blow it up. We kind of predicted that they were going to be a train wreck. I said it before the season started. They need to blow up the team. It's just not going to work. They're in a weird I, spot. I know. How how much time did Cat miss? A significant amount. It was a lot, but still. It's two years They're in still a row. not but winning. But that's two years in a row he's missed significant time. Now. Mm-hmm. And they're still not winning. Um, I know this season was mainly due to COVID, but he also had a wrist thing, sprained wrist, and a lot of ticky-tacky injuries here and there. They're still not winning. Um, they're in a really weird spot. I feel like if you're Minnesota, everybody needs to be available in a trade. Aside from Carl Anthony Towns and... um, I'd say you would include him. I wouldn't. Just because he's so so elite offensively. He is the team. I feel like the two guys that you can't... Maybe three. Two guys for sure you can't make available. Carl Anthony Towns and Jaden McDaniels. I like those two a lot. And I guess you can't make Anthony Edwards available yet either. I, I would honestly say Anthony Edwards is the only one who's unavailable for trading. Okay, I like. I could see a world where a package works with anybody else. You have to give up a lot to get Cat, though. But it'll happen. I mean. Oh yeah, if he's available. If they're if they're still bad, he's gonna want to leave anyway. I think the Timberwolves have one more season to prove to him that he should stick around. He's got three more years on his deal. This last year is really the last season for them to be decent enough. For him to decide, yeah, I want to be here. If they're not decent enough, he's going to want out. Because when you have two years left in your contract, that's about the mm-hmm. time you start to get... And he's going to want out, and then Russell's going to want to get out. I think they should trade D'Angelo Russell right now. Yeah, D'Angelo I don't Russell's think they should have ever gotten him. No, they shouldn't have. They gave up a uh, top three protected, but it's like the odd, the lottery odds are different now. So even if you're as dog shit as they are, you still have a 60% chance of not getting your pick. Mm-hmm. Which is scary, considering how bad you fucking are right now. You need that top... If your pick is number four, you need that. Because there's going to be a good player at four. This year's draft is really deep. You're going to be missing out on that. If you get a top three pick, if they're so lucky to get a top three pick again... Like, because last year they got the lottery to bounce their way. They got their lottery to bounce their way with Cat. They got the lottery to bounce their way. I guess they didn't get the lottery to bounce their way with Wiggins, but they traded for him, like... If you get so lucky to get another top three pick, I mean, then good for you. But, I mean, I would think your luck would have to run out at some point. But, yeah, in my opinion, three guys that I wouldn't trade under any circumstances. Cat, McDaniels, Edwards. Everybody aside from that, even Malik Beasley, who's been good, I would make 
available for the right price. You know what I mean? Like Rubio mm-hmm. can go, D'Angelo Russell can go, Malik Beasley's good, but he can go if you give me the right price. Like if you give me a, a first rounder for Malik Beasley, okay, and like a player, like a legitimate young guy that I can maybe take a shot on, okay. Yeah. Or even not even a young guy. If you give me like a legitimate player and like a first, maybe two firsts for Malik Beasley, I'd do it. Just because I think Malik Beasley is really good. He's averaging 20. I think ideally you would like to hang on to him, but if you were to give me the right package, I would do that trade. It's just a it's a bad situation there in Minnesota. Uh, one thing that I'm kind of not surprised about is Golden State is right now in the playoff four at the nine seed at 19 and 18. They're good. As long as Steph Curry's on that team, they're going to be at least middle of the pack. They're only good because of Steph... Right and he's now, he's stepped it up so much, but like he's just back. That's to all they need to does. make the playoffs. This is what Steph Curry does. It's he's not like they're gonna try to make a championship this year. They're not gonna win it this year. They just don't have the talent on roster. But, yeah, I mean they're gonna be in that play-in tournament probably. I don't, I don't really see them getting up into those top six seeds. No. Just looking at it, I think those top six seeds are kind of locked in. Maybe not in that specific order. But it's going to be Denver, Portland, Los Angeles, Los Angeles, Phoenix, and Utah. Those are going to be your top six seeds. I think from that point onward, it's just a matter of who gets into the play-in tournament. You're looking at San Antonio, who I think is going to be in there. I love what DeMar DeRozan's doing. He's kind of found a jump shot now. I just love San Antonio. So many young guys. DeRozan's having another great season. One of the more... It's a non-typical Spurs team. Yeah, DeRozan, it's, it is a very non-typical Spurs team. They love to run, they get up and down, they play fast, and then the offense is... DeMar doesn't take a lot of shots, but he has the ball a lot, he passes well, takes smart shots, he gets to the rim. I, I just really like watching that Spurs team. They're fun. Um, Dallas, if Dallas... So looking at it, Dallas is the one team that I could see getting hot and squeezing into that sixth seed. Because they have the talent. You have Luka. If Porzingis can come around again, he's been bad this year so far. But, I mean, if Luka can come around... You have to pick another team to start losing, though. That's the thing. Denver or Portland would have to start losing. And Portland's been winning without C.J. McCollum and Yusuf Nurkic. When they get them back, I would think they would just... Be better. Keep winning is the thing. So, I don't know if any of those teams are going to start losing. Because they're all good. Utah's good. Phoenix is good. Los Angeles is awesome. The Clippers, well, the Lakers, the Clippers are really good. The Portland Trailblazers are good. The Denver Nuggets are, like, unguardable. I mean, then you're looking at the Spurs, who are solid. They're just not on the same level as those six. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, there's a clear divide there. Yeah. Like, not that the teams 7 through 10, no disrespect to San Antonio, Dallas, Golden State, and Memphis. There's just a clear divide in yeah. team preparedness, coercion, and the skill level. And just roster on the and team. straight up yeah. talent. Like, there's just a clear divide. And then um, the Pelicans are at 11 right now. They would really have to get hot, and Memphis would have to cool off to get into that playoff picture. I don't really see that happening. I guess... When you look at it, New Orleans has the best player on either team. Zion Williamson is a tank. But I don't know. They started off a lot slower. They'd have to pick things up defensively a lot to catch Memphis. The Bucks just played the Grizzlies the other night. I'm a Bucks fan. The Grizzlies are competitive. They just keep coming at you. John Morant's awesome. 
they have a really good team. I could. It's tough to knock them out of that 10 spot. Uh, New Orleans would have to get hot, and Memphis would have to get really cold. So, yeah, I think the West, the Western Conference playoffs are kind of looking like that's going to be it. Like, that's probably going to be where we're at. It's almost already set. It's not. You, you got, like, a three-game difference between New Orleans and Memphis, but, like, and New Orleans and Oklahoma City, who's surprisingly decent. Like, they're competitive, but, like, that would be, like, if you just made me pick who's in the playoffs and the play-in tournament right now, I would probably just keep it like that. Maybe the order of the play-in tournament switches a little bit, but, like, I'm pretty sure that Utah, Phoenix, Los Angeles, Los Angeles, Portland, and Denver will be the top six seeds. If San Antonio is really good for the rest of the season, maybe they can eke their way in. If Dallas gets hot and Denver gets cold, maybe they can eke their way in. Because, I mean, there's only a two-game difference between those teams. But I just think Denver has too much talent. I watched them decimate the Bucks the other night. The Bucks had an off-shooting night. But, I mean, Denver's really good. Yeah, I kind of see those as locks. What do you think about out east? Because I think, I think there's some funny business going on. Because I don't think New York's going to end that high up in the conference. No. I, I think, think Miami's going to work their way to five. And then I think maybe Toronto can work their way up to six. Okay. Yeah, I see that. But I kind of see most of the teams being the same. I see Charlotte falling out, and I see the Bulls falling out for probably Atlanta Atlanta and Washington. So the way I would have it, I think the Knicks are going to be in the play-in tournament. Yep. I think they're going to be like the nine or the ten seed. Um, Indiana will stay in that realm. Um, I think Miami works their way to the fifth seed by the end of the season. Maybe even the fourth seed, because Boston is weird. Sometimes they're good, like they have been the past, what, four games on a four-game win streak? Sometimes they're bad. Like, they were, they went on a five-game, six-game losing streak just recently. They're, they have their own issues that they need to figure out. <clears throat> so I'm not fully sold on Boston yet. Miami could end up with a better record than them. Um, New York... With how everything looks right now, if New York somehow ended up as the sixth seed, one, that would be amazing. Two, it just, it seems impossible. Like, I would think Toronto will kind of figure it out and be better than the Knicks. At least we're hoping. I don't want, if the Knicks are the, f- if the Knicks, if the are, Knicks are the sixth best team, like, I mean, the uh, East is basically could give up because they're literally so bad. Yeah, if the Knicks are a top six seed, you don't have to pay attention to anything from Boston down. Like they're they're or one Miami over five hundred, but they're still a bad team. Well, one over five hundred isn't that impressive. I mean, when you're looking at the top three seeds in the East right now, there's a significant difference between those two and everybody else at the moment. I think Miami could get themselves in there because I mean we saw what they did last year. I think Boston could kind of get themselves in there, but they would have to stay hot. And they would have to continue to play well. And I'm not convinced Boston can do that yet. They just haven't shown me enough to convince me that they're going to be a consistently really good team. Um, I guess Miami hasn't really convinced me either, but they've been a lot better since Jimmy got back. Jimmy's really good. I think they'll be a top six seed. I don't see them falling out of the top six. No. I'd be kind of surprised. I think Charlotte sticks in the play-in tournament, though. Because the Atlanta Hawks are going to be missing DeAndre Hunter for the rest of the season. 
huge part of that team, second scoring option. Um, they're going to miss him a lot. I don't think that Atlanta will ever be better than Charlotte this year. I just really like Charlotte's team. They're fun, play with energy, score a lot of points. Lamella Ball is awesome. That's cool. Um, I think the Pacers will stay in that play-in tournament. I have a hard time seeing them knock, being knocked out. They're going to get Karis LeVert back eventually. Maybe they get TJ Warren back soon. That'll help them out. Um, I could see the Bulls falling out and the Knicks popping down there is the thing. That's kind of where I run into something, where the Bulls pop mm, out of there. But who pops in? If it's not Atlanta. My pick would probably be Atlanta. Um I th- seed. I, actually, no. I think Atlanta or Washington are the two. I think would be Washington, now that I'm saying that out loud. I just think you have Beal, you have Westbrook. That's too much offense to not be a 10 seed, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you're looking, you have to outplay the Bulls. That shouldn't be a very tall task. Not no. that the Bulls are terrible this year. They've been competitive, but like... You just have more talent on roster. <clears throat> you should be able to be better than the Bulls. Honestly, looking at it, Sexland isn't totally out of it. They're mm. three game. They're what three, two and a half games out of the ten seed. So they could do it. They could get in the play in if they got hot. Maybe once the whole Drummond debacle is over, and they kind of get their roster set, they're used to playing with one another. Maybe you could be a ten seed. I mean, you're competing to beat out Chicago. Maybe Indiana if they can't turn it around, but I think they will. And Atlanta. I don't think that's hard. Because I think Charlotte's kind of a lock for a low-end play-in team for sure. I just think they're pretty good. And then I I think New York will drop into the play-in. I just don't see New York being better than Philadelphia, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Boston, Miami, and Toronto for an entire season. No, I don't think it's possible. It doesn't make any sense to me. Like, Julius Randle's... He's balling. He's balling. I th- I think he's still improving as a player. He improved coming into this season as a passer. I don't think he's hit his prime yet. I think he's just hitting his prime. Yeah. I think he hasn't gotten all the way over it, meaning that he hasn't peaked as a player, but he's... He's starting to get to his final he's form. He's starting to peak. I think you'll see peak Julius Randle in a year or two. Yeah, I think he's good. I'm glad for that. But the rest of the team around him is just still really bad. Uh, honestly, the biggest hope I have for playoffs is just that the 76ers just beat up on Brooklyn. Like, yeah. I, I need the Milwaukee yeah. Bucks to get ahead of Brooklyn in standings so that the 76ers can beat them. Because that's the only team that I don't think the Miami Heat can beat. The Nets? The Nets. I think the Nets are the only team that the Miami Heat cannot beat. I don't think anybody can beat the Nets. In a seven-game series? I really don't think anybody in the league can beat the Nets. I don't think anyone can, but I think the 76ers have the best matchup in the East. Out of any team. Yeah, because their weak spot is interior defense. Their best player is Joel Embiid. Mm -hmm. I think the Bucks and the Sixers have a shot because of Giannis and Embiid. I think that's a tough matchup for the Heat in particular, because it's while, a very tough matchup. For the while team. the Heat, the Heat kind of thrive on their ability to shoot threes. Our defense comes from our bigger players, not our often, not yeah, our smaller players. Their defensive versatility down low, just being able to keep teams out of the paint. Um, mm. They defend the three point shot pretty well too. To yeah, but I mean. None is probably quick enough to guard Kyrie. But I mean, Kyrie's, but he doesn't put up enough offense. 
I think Kyrie's going to take none, too. I don't see none checking Kyrie. No. I mean, when you think about it, their two best defensive players are their two best players, Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. Yeah. Those are the two best defensive players. And I don't know who Bam guards. Maybe you put him on Durant. Maybe you... Because you don't put him on Harden. You probably put Jimmy on Harden. What the Miami Heat would probably do... You could put Bam on a no-name, I guess, on their no-name center. They would put Bam on DeAndre Jordan. Right. They would have Jimmy and KD go at it. They'd bring Iggy into the starting lineup, have him play against James Harden. Okay. Iguodala's lost a step, but he's still fundamentally strong and sound. He's still the best perimeter defender we have. That, I would, I that would we, say Jimmy, but... Well, that isn't th- already thrown at a guy. Oh, yeah, okay. And then for the one, we'd probably start Goran Dragic just to make up for Iguodala. It's just Dragic. You need him. He's going to start in that series, I think. I know Miami, I think, has been bringing him off the bench this season. Yeah, we're back to bringing him off the bench like we were last year. Right. I, I know th- their recent starting lineups have been... Who they've been starting? Kelly Olynyk has been starting next to Bam lately. Kelly, Bam, Hero's been in the starting lineup at one. Yeah, Duncan and Jimmy. Yep. Even though Jimmy plays more of the play initiator role, Hero plays is technically like the The PG. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. I don't know. It makes sense. I get it. You probably because I don't think Miami can outscore Brooklyn. I don't think anybody can. I think Milwaukee has a tough matchup because I think Harden is just, just too good at dribbling for Chris Middleton. It comes down to, like, I think this is the thing with Brooklyn against everybody. One of those three is gonna beat players you. is going to be guarded by somebody who's not going to be able to check them. Like in Miami, it's Kyrie's series. In this Milwaukee, it's Harden. James's series. In Philly, in it's Philly, probably Kyrie again. Because it probably you could throw Matisse Thibault, but then who has Harden? That's the thing. You probably want to throw the heart Thibault at Harden for size, because I think the one you would want to beat you is Kyrie out of the three. Yeah. So you'd probably be throwing Simmons at Durant, and you'd probably be throwing Thibault. Right. Um, they could have. I mean, Tyre, Tyrese Maxey wouldn't be terrible, but he would good. still get toasted. He's not good defensively. It's like, your options are pretty limited. Nobody has a perfect matchup for this team. The you only way they get hope. beat is if your bench can put up points. If your bench can put up points and you can just absolutely punish them inside, you have a chance. Yeah, you have to punish them inside, you have to slow down their offense, That's why I and just hope your bench can support. Because that's why I think my uh, Milwaukee and Philly have at least a fighter's chance. Just because Milwaukee has a really good bench this year. Yeah, it's like it's the way solid. that Bobby Portis seems to be yeah, Portis. almost a leader on that second group. Portis makes a lot of shots. Pat Connaughton can hit his three. He's been better this season than he was in the past. Um, DJ Augustine's decent. He's not great. I think they need one more guy. But, I mean, you have Portis there. You have Connaughton there, solid contributors. I just think they need one more guy. You need an eight-man rotation that you can depend on. Forbes can be good sometimes. He can knock down a lot of shots. It's just defensively he's a liability. Um, The same goes for Augustine. Augustine can knock down shots. 
also a defensive liability. Vanessa's and Tedekumbo is the other way around. He's fun defensively, and he runs around. He's just like a bowling ball. But the dude is just all he can do on offense is offensive rebound and dunk. Torrey Craig misses jumpers constantly. I love his defense, um, which would might make him valuable in the Brooklyn series if we were to play Brooklyn. But um, it's his lack of offense is kind of troubling. Uh, I feel like, like I said, one more guy off that bench. Maybe it's P.J. Tucker. Maybe you can get P.J. Tucker for super cheap. I don't think he costs much. You can match salaries pretty easily with D.J. Wilson and some role guy. And then uh, throw in a second-round pick, you'll probably get P.J. Tucker. But, I mean, um, maybe it's P.J. Tucker. Maybe it's maybe they go big and they trade for a guy like Terrence Ross. I don't know. They You, just, you need one more guy off that bench that's going to score. Because I don't think anybody's going to stop Brooklyn I feel like you almost have to outscore them that's the only way you're gonna win and I don't know if you can outscore them is the problem because they're so proficient offensively they have three guys they have three guys that are a guaranteed 24 a game you can almost pencil in Kyrie Durant and Harden every night for 24 Mm -hmm. add that all up they're giving you 70 some odd points every night at bare minimum they just could, the starting lineup. Yeah, and they could give you 90. Those three could give you 90 points. That's, and there's still two other starters and a bench. Well, yeah, and there's still two other guys who are going to have a bunch of open shots. Not to mention Joe Harris is probably going to give you 14. Yeah, that's the, th- that's the thing. So there's you not only have to stop this three-headed monster, which is impossible... Yeah. You have to do that with 1v1s because everybody else is going to be able to shoot. Except yeah, for DeAndre Jordan, but he's just going to be sitting on a block. He's be sitting there to catch lobs. Yeah. And while DeAndre is not great defensively, he could be pretty important in a series against a team like Philly where you have Embiid, Milwaukee where you have Giannis, uh, even Miami where you have Bam. I think... He'll have his moments. Yeah, he'll have moments where he's important. The same thing kind of applies with a lot of centers around the league. I don't feel like centers, a lot of times they aren't necessary against a lot of different teams. But when you run into Embiid, Jokic, Anthony Davis, Giannis, you need a big man down there that's going to be able to disrupt shots, just be a big body, bang in the post. Giannis is kind of interesting because you can defend him with a couple of different kinds of players and you can kind of try your But you luck. need to be able to throw a meaty big guy at him, like yeah, like a Yusuf Nurkic. Like when you look at like when you look at what Toronto did, Toronto just threw a big slab in Gasol in the middle of the lane and that worked. Miami mm-hmm. had a more athletic big in Bam, and while Bam I think Bam is Bam's six foot nine, so he's technically shorter than Giannis, but it's the athleticism, the ability to protect the rim regardless of size. And he can kind of match strength. Yeah, and he's strong enough to bang around with him when he's matched up with him one-on-one. Even though I know Crowder got a lot of the Giannis matchups in the postseason, and Jimmy got that matchup a lot too, uh, Bam coming over and help, and Bam being able to switch on to him every now and then is helping. The ability to, for Bam to travel across the paint and the lanes is just... Yeah, it's you need a really strong, you either need a big old slab or you need a really strong interior defender in there to screw him up. And I feel like you need, you absolutely need a big man when you're playing against Philadelphia or um, Denver. 
Because Jokic and Embiid are going to murder switches. I don't care if you have a six foot ten power forward out there playing center. They're going to kill that guy. Yeah. They're going to eat him alive. I watched him, uh, Jokic, uh, just the other night against the Bucks. Denver was hitting all their shots. You can't stop Jokic if he's clicking on all cylinders. I mean, that man, if you double-team him, he's going to skip it and find the open shooter. If you don't double-team him, he's going to post you up and he's going to get to wherever he wants if you don't have a strong enough big on him. He's going to get his own offensive rebound if he misses. He's just so good. There's hardly anything you can do about it. And then with Embiid, he's just so proficient in the post. You need a big down there to contend with him. Uh, sorry, I got off on a bit of a tangent there. But we were talking Eastern Conference there. Top of the East isn't going to change much. I think that is what it is, aside from New York falling out. And I think Toronto. Maybe New York doesn't fall out. Maybe they don't. That'd be awesome for them. But, I mean, I think they do. Toronto replaces them. And then I think Chicago could fall out for Washington. Fall out of the playoffs. Um, I'm not going to say that 100% because Washington and Atlanta have been disappointing. Maybe Chicago maintains that 10 seed, that 9 seed range. Maybe they stick around there. I just have a hard time believing it because Chicago's roster isn't that great. I don't think Billy Donovan's a great coach. It is what it is. But that's kind of just, I don't know, that's a little snippet about the standings. I'm excited for March Madness. Haven't watched a snippet of college basketball. It's going to start in March Madness. That's when we're going to cover basketball. Yeah, that's when we're covering NCAA, March Madness. It's all that matters. I was watching, I watched a little bit. Not a lot of it. I just watched it when I find uh, like an intriguing player is on TV. So I like, haven't even caught a Scani game yet. I have. You're not missing anything. Trust me. <laughs> but I mean, if you're... I'll watch every now and then if there is an intriguing player. So like the other day, I sat down and I watched Oklahoma State and Oklahoma play. Because Oklahoma Cade. State... Yeah, Kate. Number one pick in the draft, probably. Kate Cunningham. He's so special. You can go off the dribble. Is he actually 6'8"? I yeah, swear six, he's six seven probably. I think. I swear he's a tall six six or six seven. He's like Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic was six eight in the draft. Now he's uh, measured at six seven, I believe. Um, and I think Luka might even be six six. I think it's very similar measurement wise. But man, Cade is so good. Cade can go off the bounce. He can shoot it from anywhere on the floor. He shoots free throws well. He shoots the three well. He can pull up in the mid range. He can finish at the rim with floaters. He can finish with touch. Above, below the rim, ball handling, he can create for himself. He's a good passer, he can create for his teammates. He's so special. I know um, some people kind of want to go with, like, I guess it's not a weird pick, but some people want to say, oh, Jalen Green or Jonathan Kaminga, they're the number one overall pick. I've playing. heard Suggs, too. Yeah, Suggs. They've been playing, Green and Kaminga are playing for the G League Ignite team or whatever, and they're playing well over there, and Suggs has been decent, and Suggs has been really good, and Gonzaga, it's it's Cade. Cade is just so unique, and he he's got potential to be a guy who can score at all three levels, create for his teammates. I mean, he's got legitimate potential to be a guy that averages like twenty six, six and eight, and plays good defense. Like he's got star potential. I think Jalen Suggs is a high high floor guy, low ceiling. I think he's just going to be a really solid starting point guard or backup point guard for a long time i think that's his career arc maybe he proves me wrong maybe he's even better maybe he's like a 20 a game guy i kind of doubt that but maybe jalen green has some legit star potential so does kaminga both really athletic um green and kaminga can both kind of go off the bounce a little bit 
decent looking jump shot. Well, good looking jump shot. Kaminga has the weaker shot of the two. Yeah, yeah. Kaminga's also, he's a forward, so mm-hmm. he's probably going to. But both are freak athletes. Both can go off the bounce a little bit. Both have good looking jump shots that aren't really falling at an efficient clip yet. But given that the form looks good, they'll get there. They'll eventually be decent enough shooters. Um, Jalen Green reminds me of Zach Levine. That's kind of my comp for him mm-hmm. right now. A guy who can score at all three levels, really good athlete, can finish around the rim. Um, he's not as efficient as Zach Levine is right now. Zach Levine at the moment has just ungodly efficiency, averaging 28 a game. Um, but that's kind of his comp for me is Zach Levine. Um, uh, Kaminga reminds me a lot of Pascal Siakam. Six foot nine forward, put the ball on the floor, versatile defensively, can knock down an open three every now and then. Just really good athlete. Athletic, yeah. Yeah, good footwork. Um, reminds me of Siakam. That would be my comp. Jalen Suggs, I'm not really sure who I compare him to. Um, because, in a sense, he reminds me a bit of George Hill. He's not George Hill, because George Hill is a spot-up point guard that plays off the ball a little more. I think Suggs will be handling the ball more. Mm -hmm. But the sense that he reminds me of George Hill is I think he's just always going to be in the right spot. I think he plays strong, has good size for the point guard position. He doesn't play like George Hill, per se, but he has a similar effect, I think, where he's just always going to be good. I don't know who my player comp for his for he. I don't know who my player comp for him is yet. I really have to like dive into it a little bit, but I like the I, I just like him as a player, as a high floor guy. And then Cade, I don't really know who Cade reminds me of. He's just so good. I think there's like shades of Jalen Brown there. Um, there's shades of Luka Doncic there. Uh, it's just Grant Hill is kind of a guy that comes to mind. Young mm-hmm. Grant Hill. Good athlete, six foot seven, can dribble, pass, shoot, I'm, defend. I'm getting a lot of like memories of like talking about Michael Carter Williams. Like I know they're not like the same, but like I'm kind of feeling the tall guard hype. The reason in a why sense, like like he's gonna be the what Michael Carter Williams could have been. The reason, yeah, the reason why I wouldn't say MCW... Not as a comp, but, like, it reminded me of, like, that type of player where it's, like... Tall guard. Everybody's gonna be like, oh, he's gonna just destroy the league. Yeah, the thing with MCW coming into the draft, he was the 11th pick. Wasn't nearly as much hype around him as there is with Cade. But I see what you're saying, oversized guards, oversized playmakers. That's what the league is looking for right now. That's the biggest thing in the league. You want big playmakers. He reminds me, I think... If you were to force me to comp him to anybody, um, it would be Grant Hill. But my problem with that is he's shooting over 40% from three on five attempts a game. Mm -hmm. Young Grant Hill wasn't doing that. He's shooting 85% from the free throw line. Young Grant Hill wasn't doing that. But he's a similar athlete to Grant, um, kind of a similar frame. He's got a little more muscle than young Grant Hill did. Young Grant Hill was really skinny. What was that, buddy? That is a dog. Young Grant Hill is a little more skinny than Kate is, but like, that's kind of the comp. I see Kate, I see Grant Hill, uh, I see Luca, I see Jalen Brown a little. He's just a little better passer. Uh, he's so good. I think he's going to be a really, really, really good NBA player for a long time. He's my favorite prospect in the draft by far. 
Um, he's going to help whatever team gets him. Whatever team gets Cade is going to get a bona fide guy to build around. Yeah, I, I enjoy him. Yeah, I do too. I really like him. But that's college basketball. You know, I don't watch, like I, like we were saying earlier, haven't watched much college basketball player, but when a prospect that I'm I've, I've watched in, more AAU and highlight tapes about well, yeah. about the prospects than college games because it's it's not fun until March Madness. No, it's just not. Here, and the thing that's kind of sad is we won't get that same atmosphere with the crowds and stuff. We're gonna I'm, I'm gonna miss that with March Madness. I missed it with the NFL playoffs a lot. Uh, we had a crowd there, which kind of helped out. It's just it's just not the same. So, the sold out Lambeau Field at night if they were playing Tampa in front of that. I just it wasn't at night, it was in midday. But we one hundred percent would have just swept. It's just more. It's just the atmosphere of it all. It's so much I feel like fans, experience. Even watching on T V it when you when you see shots go in and then you just hear massive a pop. roar from the crowd, it's just like wow. Playoff basketball well, if we don't have a crowd like, it's going to suck. Yeah, if we don't have a 75% capacity crowd for playoff basketball Because it wasn't year, super great last year. I didn't... I, mean, I didn't I, enjoy it. I enjoyed watching basketball. I'm a basketball junkie. I, I would have rather than them not done the fake sounds. Yeah, I But would, even that, it I still would have sucked. I would rather had a quiet gym. Mm-hmm. Because at least that kind of I know of gives, what quiet gyms sound like. Well, and the thing with a quiet gym is like... It might have added another level of intensity to it because you're hearing these players talk and you normally don't get to hear and them. And you get talk. to learn so much from the game. That's one thing that I really liked, though, about this season is how much you got to learn about the calls and the words. And, like, e- even we got to see it on um, with Pat and Aaron, like, yeah. asking questions about, oh, we heard you say this. What does that mean? And, like, we've been able to get, like, a good insight. And, like, with basketball... I know I've started listening to Duncan Robinson cast because I got to rep the homies. Yeah. But, like, they talk about, like, terms that people normally don't hear, but you get to hear because of the lack of silence. And I find that interesting. The lack of noise? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. That is interesting. To see who's all talking, how they talk. Like, Jay Crowder, last year. Very vocal. All the time he was talking, chattering. That's how he is, though. He's a very vocal player. He's doing it on Phoenix, too. Uh, he's a Jay Crowder is a good example of what I like to call a winning player. Mm-hmm. Guys that can shoot, communicate, play Defend. defense, know their role. That's a winning player in my mind. That's part of the reason I actually think D'Angelo Russell should be moved from Minnesota because I don't know that he's a winning player. Is the thing. Um, he's not because he, he, he can't defend. He takes bad shots. I don't know if he knows his role. You know. I, that's part of the reason I was thinking maybe he should be available. <clears throat> but, I mean, yeah, it is kind of interesting. But, I mean, it's just not the same without that crowd. I remember I was watching, last playoffs we had with the crowd was the uh, 19 playoffs there um, when the Raptors won the finals in the most painful series of my life. Yeah. The year prior, uh, the series prior, when I was ready to hang the banner after the first two games. You were ready to hang. At the end of the series, you were ready to hang. Ce- I was ready to hang myself from the ceiling after the series, but after the first two games, I Blew was ready to hang the Eastern lead. Conference Championship yeah. banner. It was really sad. I was planning my trip down to Milwaukee and everything. I was like, if they beat Toronto, I'm going down to Milwaukee to watch the finals. 
I don't I don't even need a ticket to be in the building. I just need to be there. Dude, how great would it have been this year to for me and you heat bucks? Like that would have been so cool. Series. If if you and I could have drove down to Milwaukee for a back to back. Yeah, I would have just that would have been so dope. Down this. I, I I just would have liked to have been down there. That's the part I miss the most is just that fan interaction, especially in states uh, and teams that have great fan interaction. Like I think the Bucks have a great home crowd. Yeah, and then teams like even like Miami. Miami has a great home crowd. But just like going to games is so different. Like I don't even like I'm, the Twins. I couldn't tell you a single player on the roster, but I have no problem spending thirty four dollars on a shitty seat get a hot dog watch a baseball game right it's fun and then there's like there's a another interesting wrinkle this year if we have fans for the playoffs and new york knicks are in the playing tournament madison square garden is going to be obscene (laughs) that crowd is going to be nuts especially if the knicks are the eighth seed and the nets are one and they get to play one another. Jesus oh, Christ. I, Battle of New York. I like am praying that happens. If that happens, the NBA is rigged. And I, you know it. I'm praying that happens, though. Even if the Knicks are two, even if the Nets are two and the Knicks are seven, I'm just praying that happens. I want to see it. I will bet you my firstborn. Oh, no, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> not going to do it. You don't have to do it, but what were you going to bet? Oh, I was going to say. Uh, Watch the New York Knicks steal two games from the Nets. You know what? I think that they could steal two games from a lot of teams at home. Yeah. Because I think that their crowd is going to be insane. The Garden. If they have, if we have crowds for the playoffs, the the New York Knicks home crowd is going to be absolutely wild because they haven't had a team to cheer for in seven years. It's kind of sad to be a Knicks fan right now in a way. It's it's fun, but like you finally have a good team and you can't go see them. You can't go see them. So if Watch you, them be bad again next year. If you can go see them in the postseason. If you can see the Knicks when they're to, good. The, the roof is going to blow off that place. Yeah. Especially if they get to play the Nets. There's going to be like fights outside the arena. <laughs> And like, or the Celtics even. There might be fights because right now they're the four-five seed. That's a rivalry. There might be fights in arena. Yeah. I mean, like, it's, you got Nets and Knicks fans from opposite boroughs ready to can beat the shit out of each other. I think that would be so fun. I need to see that series. Please. I need it to happen. Even you're right. Knicks Celtics would be fun, but I need to see Knicks Nets two seven. One eight matchup. It just has to, even three six matchup. I'm fine with that. I just need to see it. It's going to make for great television. The Knicks are going to be good. I don't know. It's just going to be so fun. It has to happen. Um, I don't want to play Toronto if I'm the Bucks. I'm scared. PTSD. I'm, I'm scared Kawhi's of, not there anymore. I don't care. I'm scared of Toronto and uh, Miami. Both All of it is can, is spin move Siakam. Both Toronto and Miami can stay as far away from Milwaukee as possible. I don't want to play either of them. They give me too many bad memories. I'm scared of Philadelphia and Brooklyn. Not to mention their Twitter fan bases are the most toxic fan bases. Yeah, we are. In all of sports. It's so annoying. You should see some of the stuff i comment on the miami heat uh instagram the miami heat some of the comments i throw out there yeah it's disgusting (laughs) the jersey swaps with every player possible into a heat jersey i just 
Heat and Raptor fans are just so toxic, especially towards Bucks fans. And like, just, they beat us. I get it. They they have the right to brag, but I mean, fucking Christ, they take it a little far. <laughs> I hate it so much. Everybody can wear a Miami Heat jersey if Photoshop works. Right. Right. Giannis was being photoshopped into a Heat jersey for two years. I almost thought it could happen. I'm so happy it didn't. Almost. I would have made... I, that might have been the thing that pushed me over the edge. The minor inconvenience. Imagine. I think it. I think if Giannis would have left, they'd have just blown the team up. Yeah. I think they'd have just traded everybody. Sold the team. I don't think they'd have sold it. I just think they would have been really bad to get the number yeah. one overall pick. If Giannis didn't sign the Supermax, I honestly would have traded him. Mm-hmm. I would have because you can get something for him in that case because if he doesn't sign he's leaving or he's at bare minimum thinks right now I am leaving unless we win a championship yeah he didn't do that so I don't have to think about that but like if he wouldn't have signed I would have traded him and I would have traded the entire team to get Cade Cunningham because I right. would have wanted Cade Cunningham guarantee that first round pick yeah I that would have been the one consolation prize for trading Giannis. If that would have all happened, he would have gotten Kate Cunningham. Now we have Giannis, though, so I'm not going to freak about it anymore. All right, so before we head out, because we're already on NBA topics, right. let's go over who we think are going to win the award. So we're talking MVP, Roy, six-man, defensive player. And coach of the year, too. And coach of the year. Coach of the year. So we'll do the five. Um, Let, let's start... Start with the MVP pick? Let's start on the other side. Let's start with the coach and work our way up to importance. Coach? Okay. So my pick for coach of the year is Quinn Snyder, Utah Jazz. Yeah. I just think that team, they've been good for a long time. It looks like they're finally taking the step to be great. And they didn't really add any super new pieces. No, it's just like impro- gradual improvement of a lot mm-hmm. of their players and Jordan Clarkson really finding his thing and then transitioning into, shoot- into shooting more threes. I think that's a lot yeah. of it. I'm picking Quinn Snyder. I, don't I think Quinn Snyder get it. Uh, it's not an argument with anybody else. No, I don't really think so either. The only guy I could have seen rival it already got fired from Atlanta. So Lloyd Pierce? He was my dark horse at the beginning of the season. So I was like, I could see them I um, doing it. What's his name? But obviously it did not turn out. I'm just making sure I'm getting his name right. I think I am. But... I just really want to make sure because I don't want to say something dumb here. Um, the coach of the Charlotte Hornets. I actually, I'm not gonna say he's gonna win it, but if I, you made me pick my second, yeah, James Borrego. James Borrego has done a really good job over there in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. I've enjoyed him. Tom Thibodeau has kind of quietly thrown his name into the Tibbs. Has kind of quietly thrown his name into the hat. If the Knicks were, if the Knicks are a top six seed this year, maybe he has a case. Um, but I think Quinn Snyder wins it. Just number one seed, they finally are taking that next step that everybody expected them to. Monty Williams and Phoenix might mm-hmm. have a bit of a thing there too, but I think Phoenix, Chris Paul is essentially their coach. Um, yeah, I would I would say either Monty or it's going to be Quinn Snyder, but Monty yeah. would be second. I think it's going to be Quinn. Yeah, Monty could be there, and then I think Tibbs could be there. If the Knicks are a playoff team, I think Tom Thibodeau could be in the mix. That would be I mean, crazy. They're flipping from the worst team in the NBA to a playoff team. 
just by adding Tom Thibodeau. And Thibodeau switched from the best coach in the NBA to the worst coach in the NBA to being the best coach to in the NBA again. one of the best coaches in the league again. Yeah. I honestly think that says more about Minnesota than him, which is kind of sad because I actually thought... Of how he, shitty Minnesota was? I thought he was the problem in Minnesota. Thibodeau, I thought he was the problem, but it's just not... If the Knicks turn out a success this year, it might have just been Minnesota. I think I honestly think it is. I, I, I'm willing to say that it's Minnesota right now. Jimmy Butler didn't want to be there after one season because the young guys wouldn't listen. Mm-hmm. Tom Thibodeau, they got Tibbs fired. Um, I don't think Tom Thibodeau is a phenomenal coach by any means. He's a great player coach. But I think, I don't even know about that. I just but think more good. so in like the preparation and the uh, telling people like, we're gonna run through a brick wall. I think he's. We're gonna fight. Establishing his team's identity. Yeah. He wants his team to be a hardworking team that's defensive oriented, doesn't allow anything in the paint. He's willing to concede three pointers, which is kind of counterintuitive. But he's kind of adapted his defense so he doesn't completely concede threes like he did in Minnesota. He may not have wanted to completely concede threes in Minnesota. He might just have had bad personnel. That could have been the case. I mean, his defensive personnel while he was in Minnesota outside of um, Jimmy Butler, and he may have had Chris Dunn there when he didn't. He didn't play Chris Dunn at all, um, but he had Chris Dunn there. Um, his defensive personnel wasn't great, so I'm not going to act like he was entirely to blame for their defensive woes, but his scheming wasn't great. He gave a lot of open corner threes. He's kind of adjusted to that, but he's quietly thrown his name in the Coach of the Year hat, but it's going to be Snyder. I think it's going to be Snyder. Mm-hmm. So, six man. Clarkson. Yep. It's Clarkson. Clarkson's great. He is a major source of offense for the Utah Jazz. I think he's either their second or third leading scorer. Maybe fourth. I don't know how many Gobert averages. I feel like Clarkson averages more than him, though. I think he does. Um, but it's Clarkson. Uh, at the For a minute at the beginning of the season, um, I thought a couple of other guys might have a bit of an argument. I thought Bobby Portis could throw his name into the hat a little bit there. He's been playing really well for Milwaukee. Um, I kind of thought that uh, Dragic could throw his name into the hat. Um, but with Miami's early season bumps... Um, him being injured quite a bit and having the COVID stuff, I don't really think he's going to be in there. I think it's Clarkson, um, mm-hmm. and kind of by a runaway margin. If he keeps playing, how he's playing. Um, yeah, I'd go Clarkson. Yeah, I was going to kind of say the same as you. Clarkson, Drogic would be the next yeah. probably thought. Yeah. Uh, defensive player of the year. So this one's interesting to me. I'm because going Giannis. <clears throat> you, could, you could go Giannis. You could go straight Utah here and give it to Gobert. He has a case, a really strong case. Um, you could give it to Ben Simmons, who I think is one of the five best defensive players in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Ben has a really good case. Um, Embiid has a case as well in Philly. Those two are big-time catalysts for that team's defensive prowess. Um, granted, Philly is still not great offensively, Um I don't think you can ever expect them to be the best offensive team in the league with Embiid and Simmons out there. They just don't fit very well together offensively. But you should expect them to be great defensively, and they have been this year. They weren't that last season, really. Um, If you made me give it to someone, though, I guess if you forced my hand, I'd probably give it to Gobert. I probably would. Gobert has been the catalyst for one of the two best defenses in the league this year. 
he's as good as he's ever been defensively. His block numbers might be down, but that doesn't determine how ineffective he is. Weirdly enough, um, I if he wouldn't have gotten hurt, maybe Mitchell Robinson would have had a case for being the spearhead of the Knicks defense, which is yeah. a top five defense. Miles um, Turner's averaging an absolutely insane amount of blocks. Yeah, Miles Turner blocks a lot of shots. That doesn't necessarily equate to being a great defensive No, because player. help side. It's just like the like Hassan Whiteside was really good at being a help blocker. But he couldn't defend on the ball. He couldn't think, He couldn't block shots at the guy in front of him, but he could block someone else's guy. He couldn't make people miss layups if they were in front of him. Mm-hmm. Miles Turner does a better job of that than Whiteside did. He's a better oh, yeah. defensive player than Whiteside. Um, but he's not as good defensively as Gobert. Because Gobert just, he's better positionally. He mm-hmm. knows where to be. Uses his body more effectively, uses verticality more effectively, and he blocks shots still. Um, but I'm probably it's kind of crazy that I'm going three straight jazz players. The um, only the only reason I would say um, Giannis over Gobert is I just like the fact that Giannis can guard one through five effectively. Yep, Ben Simmons has that case over Gobert too. And yeah, that's the only thing I really don't like about Gobert because like even most like yeah, if if you. If you are a big man who wins Defensive Player of the Year, it's because you're an absolute shutdown. I don't think Gobert is an absolute shutdown. I think he is... Um, I think he's really great at defense in the post, but I think that's it. I think he's an absolute shutdown anywhere from 15 feet and in. Um, as you stretch him out, he become You can stretch Gobert out a little bit, mm-hmm. but the thing with him, he can still block jump shots... I've yeah. seen him block a lot of jump shots because he's got such long arms and he's seven foot, seven foot one. He's still relatively effective on the perimeter. You don't want him switching, but he can like soft hedge and yeah. kind of keep a guy contained. But like, if you think second. of like a Hakeem type defender, oh no, I know what you mean. You're just really... yeah. There's just another level of yeah, excellence. being able to defend. Like he's great. Yeah, he's are... really great, but I don't think he's gonna be. I don't think he's gonna go down in history as an NBA defender. This generation is he gonna. He's a two-time defensive this, player of the year. This generation is gonna remember him. Yeah, of course we are. But in thirty years, they won't. I think. How many times did Dwight Howard win Defensive Player of the Year? Twice, I think. But people. Know a lot of people think he's dog shit. But people know how great he was of a defensive player in his prime. Because mm-hmm. It's kind of like Ben Wallace as well. People will remember Ben Wallace as a historically great defender. But they don't remember him on his bulls. Yeah, of course. But, I mean, I think Gobert is going to be in the category with, like, a Ben Wallace where he's known for his... Gobert's better offensively. I think he'll be known for his defense, but I don't think he'll be a top defender. It's hard to say because I believe he's 29 or 30. Mm -hmm. He's still got time. Like, the list is already pretty long. Yeah. It's hard to say. He's pretty great. He'll be remembered for being a great defensive player. I think he will be remembered by a lot of people. He'll probably be a Hall of Famer. I would say um, so, yes. So, I mean, I Gobert will be remembered. I think I would pick him as my depoy. Um, I know what you're talking about from just a value perspective. Giannis has more valuable in closing situations because he can switch. Same goes for Ben Simmons. He can switch. They have size. It is super hard not to give it to Gobert, though, because of the record. Right. That's... That's what's putting it over for me. Unless Anthony and, Davis comes back and yeah. closes the season phenomenally and the Lakers are a top three seed. And we know Mitchell or Gobert is not going to get the MVP. So No, and I mean, some people have tried to make the Mitchell for MVP case. No, I don't think you can make it. You can't. It. He's a 24-a-game guy, and he's not... He doesn't play the, enough defense. 
in my mind. Well, he plays defense, but outside yeah, but of, not enough. The the thing with him is like we don't even know if he's the best player on his team because mm-hmm. there's still a debate whether it's him or Gobert. I think it's Donovan because Donovan just he's the catalyst of that offense. But Conley is super important to that team's offense. Gobert is actually an integral part of that team's offense as a role man. Clarkson does a lot from a scoring perspective. It's just, I don't think you can give anybody on that team MVP. I think you can give them coach of the year, sixth man of the year, and defensive player of the year, though. They just, mm-hmm. They've been so solid. Um, unless in the second half of the year the Bucks defense turns around and becomes a top-five defense again, um, Ben Simmons makes a stronger case than Gobert, or Anthony Davis comes back at full power and does his thing defensively for the regular season, which I don't really see happening. I think he's going to take it easy throughout the remainder of the regular season. The Lakers are going to be careful with him. All right, so next we have Roy. And, I mean, there's obviously kind of an obvious answer for this one, so we'll do first and second option. So, like, op one, it's obviously going to be LaMelo Ball. Right. But if it wasn't LaMelo Ball, Tyrese Halliburton. Yep. All the way. I agree. Some people make the Anthony Edwards argument, but... Tyrese Halliburton, he has so much playmaking, defense. He's mature. He makes good shots, good decisions. He fits with the team already. And it, I think it's a testament to him being able to fit in with a team that already has their point guard situation figured out. Yeah, that's huge. Because he is technically a point guard. We had we had the conversation of, is he, is he going to play a two or is he going to come off the bench? Yeah, or are they going to replace Darren? We're talking about that right away. And the obvious answer now is the odd man out now isn't Halliburton, it's Buddy Heald. Yeah. Buddy Heald isn't as good as Halliburton. As Halliburton's better defensively, he's better a playmaker... And he can shoot not as well as Buddy, but he's he he's a capable shooter. He's a very capable three point shooter. He's he I knew he would ball. be good, but I definitely didn't think he would have this much of an impact right away. I the thing with Halliburton, I thought he could be in at least semi immediate impact guy. I didn't expect him to be this good though, Mm-mm. because he's come in and he's just had a level of maturity and level headedness. He's really good defensively. I didn't expect him to be so good defensively. I knew he was a good defender because, I mean, he's from our state. We watched him in high school. Um, he's our age, actually. He's the same age as us. Um, Crazy. I played uh, in AAU tournaments that he was at um, when I was in high school. At you helped. Point. Great defensively. Can play with or without the ball. Always level-headed. Makes good passes. Takes open shots. He is the quintessential winning player, and he's only 21. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he would be my second pick. And then I think if you made me pick a third guy, it would be Edwards. Um, Edwards is super inefficient, which is my biggest gripe with him. I think he'll develop into a slightly more efficient scorer. I would like to think anyway. I just don't think there's a better third pick. I mean, if you would have asked me at the beginning of the season, it might have been Wiseman, but he hasn't played much. Um, Pat. You say Patrick Williams, mind. Halliburton is two, and Edwards is three by default. But I would personally pick Patrick Williams. If you made me pick the number three guy, I would probably pick Patrick Williams. Um, Peyton Pritchard kind of has his name in there for the Celtics, too. He's been all right. Kind of was uh, not very good there for a little stretch. Um but he's been decent as a guy off the Celtics bench. 
I'm just looking at this little ESPN thing of Isaac Okoro, and it what says it? that over five years, he'll have a market value of a total of $40 million. Like, over the course of multiple seasons? Over the course of five years, he will make $40,000. $40 million, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, so the performance of the 10 most yeah. comparable players. This is actually pretty neat. That is kind of a neat little thing there that they got pulled up. Yeah, I don't know. I... He's just not he's not, not the rookie of the year yet. I would say he's behind the three guys listed along with Patrick Williams and Peyton Pritchard. Yeah. Those would be my guys. Um so yeah, uh, in review, LaMelo one, Albert and two, probably Edwards three. Even though I like what Williams has done more, it's probably Edwards three. Yeah. So that's rookie of the year. So MVP. I'm gonna go first because you'll probably have more to say. No shoot. But uh, I'm going to go with Joel Embiid on this one. He's having a monster season. Yep. The, like, the 76ers have been good, but they're just great this year. He's playing good defense. He's getting a lot of boards. He's stayed relatively healthy. Mm-hmm. Averaging, what's his points at? 30. 30 points, yeah. 30 and 12. 30, 12, and 1.8 blocks? Uh, 1.4, but pretty close. 30, 12, 1.4, 1.2. Yeah. To go with 3.2 assists, I think, or whatever. He's he's playing pretty good. And, like, it's a center. Best team in the Eastern Conference, so it makes it kind of easy to give out the award, especially because Giannis has won it two times in a row. Yeah, Giannis is putting up the numbers again. Yeah. Thing, um, but he's just not going to get it yeah. again. Yeah, a big part of my case is Giannis hasn't done anything special enough to make it three in a row. I just don't think I don't think they're ever gonna give it to anybody three times. In a row. No, they, it's voter fatigue. Mitchell's not gonna get it. Gobert's not gonna get it. Ben Simmons isn't gonna get it. LeBron has a case. He has a case, but I think Joel a, Embiid is kind of stronger. Yeah, LeBron has a pretty strong case this season. I personally, I am on board with you. I would pick Embiid. His efficiency is ridic- His efficiency is ridiculous. He's shooting 40% from three. Mm-hmm. I don't think that'll hold. I think he'll his be around... Per 36 numbers are amazing, too. Oh, yeah. I, I don't think his efficiency from three will hold exactly. I mean, right now he's shooting 42%. I just don't think that is possible that that holds, considering how good of a three-point shooter... I think it'll go down to high 30s. Yeah, I think we're looking at mid to high 30s. I think he will be down by 30, down about 37, 36% by the end of the season. Kind of reminiscent of uh, what Brooke Lopez had uh, two years ago. Started out the season at the All-Star break, he's shooting like 42%. Ended the season around 37. I think mm-hmm. that's about where we'll see him beat fall. Um, granted, his three-point attempts are down, so that's also helping his efficiency. But I, ju- I just think that number is going to go down. I would be shocked if he shoots 42% from three throughout the entirety of the season. Um, he's phenomenal. Uh, it's his highest field goal percentage ever. He's shooting 52% from the field, which is ridiculous because he doesn't take easy shots. Mm-hmm. Shooting 42% from three, which is ridiculous. He's just really, 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 really good. And this is by far, this is probably peak Embiid. I think last year we probably saw, it wasn't, it definitely wasn't peak Embiid. I think last year we saw an unhealthy Embiid one that was 
plagued by a little bit of nagging injury. Yeah. It was never really in shape. He's at his it. peak, but he wasn't playing healthily. And then when all that stuff happened, the bubble hit, and that just made it even worse when they got in the postseason. Mm-hmm. I think this year he's really coming back with a vengeance because people were... A lot of people were kind of out on him, and everybody kind of came to the agreement that he was the second-best center in the league behind Jokic because of what Jokic did in the postseason. I think he took that personally. I think he's definitely the best center in the league. I, I think you have to call him the best center in the league now. And that's it's not a debate. Something. It still is a debate, which is wild. I wouldn't Nicole think it would Jokic be, though. Has because has the MVP case, too. But uh, he does. And his is strong. Nikola Jokic is almost as strong as Embiid's. I think Embiid's the better center because of the more dominant rebounding and the more dominant defense. I think defense is the ultimate separator. Because, like, it's it's great that Jokic can pass and play make and all, but you can't be a liability at so, the end of a game. I don't think he, I don't think Jokic is. I'm looking I don't at, think he's a liability, but... I'm looking at Jokic's numbers right now, and I knew they were great, but, I mean, he... He has a case that's about as strong as Embiid's. I mean, he's averaging 27 a game, Mm -hmm. which is crazy. That's a career high for him by a mile. Um, He's averaging 11 rebounds, which Mm -hmm. is really, really good. Averaging about one and a half steals. The blocks aren't where Embiid's are, but one and a half steals, pretty good. Clogs up space in the lane, is what it is. He's shooting 42% from three on four attempts a game. Which is pretty ridiculous, considering he's he's always been a capable shooter. But last season he was inefficient. The season prior he was inefficient. This season he's shooting really well. Again, I see that number coming down a little bit, thirty-seven, thirty-eight percent, probably where he finishes the season. And he's shooting fifty-seven percent from the field. And none of those shots that he's taking are very easy. He's the focal point of that offense. Mm-hmm. He's shooting floaters, mid-range jump shots, tough hook shots putbacks off offensive rebounds he has a really strong case too i would almost make him as my second mvp candidate my counter to that would just be basically the record of the the record and way the team is that's the separating factor and then the talent around i think they both have a lot of talent around them um they do but Embiid has the better the better second option as well but yeah and but they're not as deep um, no, not as deep as Denver, but I mean, there's still a, the Embiid has mm-hmm. a really nice second second unit. Or he has a really nice unit around him. I think the separating factor for me right now is the standing. Uh, Sixers are number one seed. Denver is number five. But Jokic is almost averaging a twenty-seven point triple double. I think the and Nuggets would have to one. become like a three seed. Yeah, you would need to see the Nuggets get into the top three seeds for him to have an argue for him to be argued over Embiid because I think he has a case right now mm-hmm. I think it's LeBron Jokic and Embiid who have the case and I think Embiid has the best case so I'm with you I would give the vote to Embiid I would give my vote to Embiid um, the funny thing about the Sixers right now their regular season record right now is not much worse than their regular season record was last season it's about the same mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty much the same regular season record and they're kind of doing it in the same way so the Sixers look better on the court than last year. I, I, I think I think that's... I would agree with that. The shooting's improved a lot. Yeah, I think Seth Curry adds a dimension to that team. They it was huge for the spacing. Um, but at the same time, 
you could argue that they aren't that much better. You could argue that the rest of the conference is just playing worse. And that's a legitimate... Because they're 24-12 and 12 right now. Mm-hmm. I think they were about that at last year's All-Star break. Um, the Bucks are 22-14. and 14. At this point last year, the Bucks were like 28-5 and five or something. Like, they'd only lost like four games or five games going into the All-Star break. The Nets weren't the team that they were. But Boston was way better. Um, Toronto was way better. Miami was way better. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just had more teams. I think Philly was probably the fourth seed with this record going into the uh, break. Now, obviously, I think they're a better team this year than last year, primarily due to the play of Embiid. Um, But you could argue they're still under 500 away from home, which is a huge problem last year. They were one of the worst road teams in the league. Now, what you could also say about that I don't know how many teams are even over 500 on the road this year. Mm-hmm. It's like teams in the they're the top five teams in the West, the Spurs and the Mavericks are above 500. So the top eight seeds in the West are above 500 on the road. Um, and that's it. Aside from that, everybody else is below 500 on the road. It's weird that the Mavericks are above 500 on the road. That is correct. They've kind of rebounded recently. But... There isn't a single team in the East that's above 500 on the road, aside from the Bulls and the Pacers. Two amazing teams. Nine and eight, really weird teams to be above 500 on the road. But the best teams in the East, I guess the Nets are too, but the best teams in the East, Milwaukee and Philly are both below 500 on the road. Both are eight and nine. So you could kind of argue Philly's kind of getting it done the same way they got it done last year. It's just the rest of the conference has taken a bit of a step back. The Bucks are experimenting with a lot of new coverages and stuff mm-hmm. like that, trying to figure something out that can work for the playoffs, so that's kind of hurt their record a little bit. Um, Miami, they've had a bunch of injury, uh, a bunch of COVID problems. That's kind of led to them being lesser this season. Boston, I don't know what the problem with Boston is. They just, it's, something's wrong. With it's injury, and Marcus Smart being out is hurt. Kemba Walker not being 100% until, like, right about now. He's been better recently over the past four games. He's starting to get back to himself, and maybe that'll kind of get them what they where they back where they need to be. But, again, a weird first half of the season start for them where they've been below 500 for long for a little bit there, and they're barely above 500 now. The Raptors are much worse. They're playing in fucking Tampa Bay right now, and they're just really out of it. I think mm-hmm. that's a big reason for why they've been so bad. And then I can't really explain the Pacers. I don't get it. I mean, it's a pretty similar team to last year, the team that made the postseason. I'm going to say that Victor Oluton. He's out. He was out the whole regular season. I, I suppose the one big change they're missing the Victor Oladipo trade. They're missing TJ Warren's points. Uh, TJ Warren's Warren points, a, and they don't have a a strong two. Well, they didn't have Oladipo at all last season. No, they didn't have him last year, but they. Um, I think the big thing they had missing, a good backup last year. They're missing that twenty from Warren. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're missing Karis LeVert's production, mm-hmm. both of which I think will rebound them back to yeah. about, about where they were. They're missing season. production from of two starter quality players. Yeah, both of which average upwards of 17 a game. Mm-hmm. So I think that 
that will, A, make their offense a lot more dynamic. You have more guys that can go off the bounce, more guys that can make shots. It's It'll kind spread of, them out a lot. It's kind of Utah Jazz-esque when you think about it. You have Brogdon, Levert, Warren, Sabonis, Turner, Doug McDermott can come off the bench and make some shots. Jeremy Lamb can make some shots. Aaron Holiday. Aaron Holiday can come off the bench and be a nice backup point guard for you. It's it's kind of Utah-esque. I'm not saying that they are Utah, but kind of has a bit of a similar feel when they're all healthy. When those two come back at some point this season... Very good team basketball. Yeah, they're going to have a bit of a rebound, I think, when those two get back. They're just going to have more shot-making on the floor, and that's going to help them a lot. Mm-hmm. Um... So I'm not out on the Pacers yet. Even though they're 16 and 19, I think once everybody's healthy, they'll rebound. They could even end up being a top six seed if they're that good when everybody rebounds and they get everything together. I think they could be. I'm not going to rule that out. They'd have to boot Miami, New York, or presumably Toronto out of there. And they might be able to do that depending on... I think Miami will figure their shit out. I think the Knicks will cool off a little bit. I think the Knicks might finish around 500, though. Like rough, yeah. a few games below would be my bet. I could see them getting I, I could between see them, 42 and 38. I could, Yeah, that's kind of where I view them. Well, here's the thing. We have 72 games this year. So um, we're looking at somewhere in the low to mid-30s for wins for them. Oh, right yeah. Now, right? Because we're 10 games chopped off, which is weird. So you kind of have to think about that. They're probably going to finish low to mid-30s and win total, right? So not a bad total by any means. But, I mean, I think they'll be a playoff team. The Pacers will rebound, though. But, yeah, there's the argument for that with the Sixers. Anyway, got off topic. We can cut a lot of that. We just... MVP. Um, MVP is MVP, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, so... Jokic and LeBron have arguments. Mm-hmm. To finish up the MVP thing, we're going to play everybody's favorite game. How much would Dame have to average? This yeah. year, He's in. He has how a, much would Dame have to average to win MVP? He has a case... He actually has a case right now, but it's just Ben Beads is so much stronger. There's just so many MVP caliber players right now. Dame would probably have to average 35 a game to become the MVP, and that team would have to be a top three seed. All right. I think it, he might, to be fair, he might only have to average 30 a game, 32 a game. If that team is a top three seed, he could win it. I think that that's just what they need. They need to move more. They need to win more games. Mm-hmm. That'd be that's probably the thing. But if he averages thirty-five, which I think he's probably capable of, that would just probably put the nail in the coffin. I think he'd win it, especially if they're the three seed in the West. Oh yeah, yeah. One more, almost. How much would Bradley Beal have to average? Because right now he's at thirty-three or thirty-four. Let me check that. I mean, I think they would have to make Jamie pull it up. <laughs> Jamie, can you please pull that up? It's averaging 33. 33. So, are we talking like if they make the playoffs? I want you're with making the playoffs and you're not making the playoff so number. If you, if you don't make the playoffs and you're going to win MVP, you have to average like 50 points, I think. I, I don't think they're going to give the MVP to Not a even 40? Mm. If you averaged 40, you averaged 40 for a whole that's... season. That's a good point. If he were to average 40 for an entire season, then yeah, maybe you kind of have You're making at least 20 shots a game. Yeah, you, you kind of... Okay. All right. You, you aren't... Maybe you aren't... Aver- you don't actually count free throws in there, too, is the thing. Yeah. So. 
Because he makes how many free throws a game? He, he shoots eight a game, so count seven free throws. He's shooting maybe... He's making at least 17 shots a game, though, an average 40, 16 mm-hmm. shots a game, probably. If he's averaging 40 to, like, 42, not making the playoffs, you kind of have to give it to him, I think. Right. He at least has to have a case if that's what he's averaging. <laughs> What's the uh, playoff number? So they would have to be a six seed at least. At least a six. And he would have to be averaging 36. 36. 35 to 37 points a game. All right. If they're a six seed and he's averaging 35 to 37 points a game. I just has, want it so bad. I want him to win case it. And that, I, I think he... And that the thing is, I don't even know if it's the best case because Embiid would still be averaging thirty and twelve as the one seed. Yeah. So he still might get beat beat out by Embiid, <laughs> but like he would have a better case if he was the sixth seed, averaging thirty. And then it would be like, oh, who was Bradley Beal? Oh, he averaged thirty five and didn't win the MVP. Right. It's kind of like that. Or ever made the playoffs. It's almost like that Kobe 06 season where I think he averaged 35 yeah. and didn't win MVP. Or the James Harden 2019 season where he averaged 35 and didn't win MVP. Um, but the thing that's different about the Harden season, um, Giannis averaged like 28-13-6 and six on ridiculous efficiency. So you couldn't... I feel like Giannis was going to be the MVP that year, even though Harden played ridiculously well. Some people had the Harden case. I don't think it was an argument. I think Giannis was going to win it regardless Mm -hmm. because Giannis is just so much better defensively. Um, And then the thing with Kobe, though, he got beat up by Nash. Nash averaged 18 and 12. It's kind of hard, though. Uh, It is. 12. 12 assists. I mean, on the best team in the West, they won like 60-some-odd games. Yeah. Yeah, when you're looking at it that, but it's like Kobe averaged like 37, 35. I still don't know how I feel about that. Like, if I'm being honest, like 12 assists is hard, especially on the best team. But I think 35 points a game is just amazing. The argument for Kobe Bryant here, I think it's pretty clear. So we're going to the 05-06 Lakers. He averaged 35 points, 5 rebounds, 4.5 assists. Um, and carried the 2005-2006 Los Angeles Lakers to a record of 45-37, and 37, so to a playoff berth. His best teammate on this team is Lamar Odom. Um, his starting center was either Kwame Brown or a very, very young Andrew Bynum. Forgive me, I don't know who started on that team. Either <laughs> way, not a good option at that time. Um, his starting point guard was Smush Parker, one of the worst starting point guards of all time. No debate. Luke Walton was playing rotation minutes. <laughs> Tough. Um, now he manages the rotation. For the Kings, and he does a really shit job at it. Um, Devin George was playing rotation minutes. Oh, jeez. Stanislav Medvindinko was playing minutes on that team. Exactly. Chris Mim was <laughs> playing for that team. Ronnie uh, Turioff was playing. I love Ronnie Turioff. But, I mean, look at this team. A young Sas- Sasha Vujicic, who was labeled as a point guard at the time, ended up finishing his career as a small forward and a spot-up shooter. Yeah. Was labeled as a point guard. That Those were his teammates. Old Jim Jackson, Aaron McKee, who was washed by that time. I mean... 
it, that was rookie Ronnie Turioff too, mind you, and rookie Bynum. I don't think they were playing much. I mean, this is a bad team. And he averaged 35 and carried them to 45 and 37. Got that team to the playoffs. And I think they went to Game 7 or Game 5 against the Suns in the first round. Damn. So it's kind of like... I don't know, man. That's tough. I, like, let me... I think... I don't know if they were still doing... If they were doing seven-game series at the time. um, Or if they were still doing those five-game series in the first round back then. But... I like the first round fives. It was kind of... It was kind of nice. Made sense. You know, it was a shortened series. How many games was that series? Was it... Cause like yeah, it, w- it was seven. It was, was seven, seven game series against the Lakers team that was significantly outmatched. <laughs> significantly. One notable thing though that you can pull from this series: Game Six outlining Kobe Bryant had fifty in Game Six. Um, he, when you look at the totality of the series. There were a couple of games where he didn't score... Like, so, in game one, he didn't score any more than 22. I don't believe he scored more than 20 in game three, which is kind of notable. They still won the game, so you can't really harp on him too much. They won. Um, And he had... What did he do? 17-7-5 and with four steals, so he still played relatively well. Believe it or not, Believe it or not, the reason they won this game, Luke Walton had 17, Smush Parker had 18, Lamar Odom had 15, and Kwame Brown had 13. Damn. So, oh my god, this makes this even worse just looking at it. So this was their rotation. This was their playoff eight. Kobe Bryant at the two, Smush Parker at the one, Luke Walton at the three, Odom at the four, Kwame at the five. That's your starting five. You're starting Kwame Brown and Smush Parker. That's so disgusting. You're not playing four players that I thought might have played. That You're not playing Ronnie Turioff. You're not playing Aaron McKee. You're not playing Jim Jackson. You're not playing rookie Bynum. The guys you're playing off your bench are Vujicic, Devin George, and Brian Cook. Mm. I don't really know. I, I mean, like, I vaguely remember Brian Cook as a backup, like, forward. He was, like, an old-school power forward. I remember Devin George played defense and shot threes. Mm-hmm. And then Vujicic could spot up. But that is a terrible, a terrible rotation. And he managed to drag that team to seven games against the Suns and to the fucking playoffs. That says a lot. No MVP. That, that says a lot. No MVP. Nash was great that year, so I'm not I'm not trying to... I'm a big Steve Nash fan, too, so I'm not going to try and make this out to be like I'm bashing Steve Nash. I really like Steve Nash, but, like, he probably didn't deserve this MVP. Um, there was one that I do think he deserved. I think he deserved one of his MVPs. He should have at least won one. Um, those Suns teams were great. But not the uh, 5 6 season. I don't think he deserved that one. I think it was the 6 7 season he won one, too. Um, probably deserves that one. Maybe it was the 4 5 season he won it. I don't remember. He deserved at least one of them. But that 5 6 season belonged to Kobe. Yeah, that's just get it. crazy. Yeah, that's... Uh, I'm not going to act like... That's like Dwayne Wade missed that one. D. Wade had a couple of seasons 
Let me well, look back. I think she- well, let me look back. So, Dwayne Wade had a couple of seasons here. Um, one of the more notable ones, his team was bad. Um, 2008-2009. Yeah, that was... Dwayne Wade averages 37.5-5. and, a half and five. That was the year... The on off season a, preceding, we drafted Michael Beasley on a, two. Yeah, on a really bad heat yeah. team. It was like a seven or an eight seed that he did all that on. But he was arguably a top, not even arguably, he was a top three player in the league that season and was putting up MVP numbers. And he just didn't win MVP. Um, 06 07, he also has a case. He has a case in 05 06. The, the as well. 06 07 is the big one because that's the year they won the champ. 0506 is the year they won the. Uh, or yeah, it's the one after. But he has a case in that season too. I don't know who won it over him that year. I don't know. I can't remember who the 0506 and 0506. No, not 0506. I can't remember who the. Oh yeah, 0506. Nash. That was Nash. Wade might have had a better case than him that season. I'm Wait, was that Wade, Nash, and Kobe? All in 0506. Yeah. That's tough. Kobe had a better case than Wade, I think. But Wade might have had a better case than Nash. Wade won the Wade won finals MVP and won a championship in a finals where he was obviously the best player on the floor. He took over. Carried Shaq. Averaged 27-7-6. and six. One block, two steals. Averaging a block at six foot three is ridiculous. Best blocking point or shooting guard of all time. Yeah, he, yeah he's one of the best shot blocking guards ever. Mainly just because he used to be able to jump so high. But he also just was really good at timing it. He had really good timing. Yeah, he had an MVP Just imagine if his knees wouldn't have left so early. I know. He had an MVP case that year in 05-06. It's kind of weird what happened to the Heat because the very next season after they win a championship, they go 44-38. and And they fall off a cliff. Mm Mm-hmm. And they lose in the first round to the Bulls. Yeah, not having a healthy Shaq really kills them because they got swept by the 2007 Chicago Bulls mm-hmm. who had, I don't know, let me see where their starting lineup was. Well, if you think about it... <sighs> Presumably, their starting lineup consisted of... I think it was, I think the key one was Wade. Uh, it wasn't great. It wasn't great. But, I mean, they no, lost it wasn't. to a... They lost to a starting five of Luol Deng, Kirk Heinrich, Ben Wallace, Ben Gordon, and Andres Nocioni. Yeah. Not great, by any means. I um, think we had... That Heat starting five. Posey starting in that. So this was the starting five of the Heat that season. Um, Dwayne Wade, obviously. Udonis Haslam. Mm-hmm. Second in minutes per game on that team. Uh, Jason Williams. White Chocolate. Was the starting him. point guard. Uh, Eddie Jones, kind of old at that point, mm-hmm. um, but was still there. I don't really know how good he was at that stage. I don't feel like he was a one that good, but he was there. Shaq was obviously a member of the starting five. Uh, only started 39 games that year. So you lose a lot of Eddie Jones and Shaq to injury. And Antoine Walker, who was an essential part of that championship team. Really, oh, maybe yeah. not an essential part, but a really big part. He was important. Yeah, he's a really big part. Um, unless Tuan wasn't hurt, and he just didn't start often. Let me look at that. 607. Hey, he wasn't hurt, but Tuan was there. He just kind of regressed even more. Which is weird to think about, because Tuan was only 30 at the time, and he wasn't super far removed from being like a really big time scorer. And then they had old-ass Gary Payton. He's washed. 
Alonzo uh, Mourning, more of a culture guy at that point, mm-hmm. was pretty much washed by then. Yeah, Shaq only played 40 games that year. Um, he had Gary Payton, Darrell Wright, a very young Darrell Wright. Um, just kind of a... Yeah, James Posey. Mm-hmm. Shout out to James Posey. Was a big part of a Boston Celtics Love team. Love James Posey. Really big part of a Boston Celtics team that won a chip. But yeah, a uh, lot of injury. That was a big problem. Um, Dwayne Wade battled injury that year. Only played 51 games. That was another big part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of just a tough season for them all around. Just looking at it. I mean, your second leading scorer is an old-ass Shaq who couldn't stay on the floor. Dwayne Wade couldn't stay on the floor. Jason Williams, Capono. I don't even know who this team was playing with when Dwayne Wade was off the floor. Because Dwayne Wade hardly played. Eddie Jones hardly played. I mean, you're looking at Gary Payton playing in 68 games. A guy named Michael Doliak played in 56 games. He played more games than Wade that season. Yeah, so it was really injury. They had a championship odds preseason. So did the 2016 Miami Heat. That would have been a good team. With Bosh? If Bosh would have stayed healthy, I think Bosh and Wade could have got to the finals. That was a good team. I think they could have beat LeBron to the finals. Well, that was a weak Cavs team. It was a weak Cavs team. Mm -hmm. I could have seen them beating that team, realistically. Uh, That Cavs team wasn't that impressive to me. Uh... They probably had a chance. I remember some people were talking about that because Bosch started off that season really well. Yeah. And we still had, like... Because Bosch was looking really good. Increased usage. Kind of just doing his thing. But he just did it more than he did it when LeBron was there. Yeah. Well, not even... Well, he still averaged, like, mid... He still averaged, like, 23. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He had the heart thing. That's what I'm saying. He He, like, did what he could do. Just he did more of it. Now mm-hmm. that LeBron wasn't there. Got more post touches. Yeah. Hit his threes. I think we started. They were good. Drogic Wade. It was Drogic Wade Bosch. Bosch um, Bosch played the five. Was Johnson starting? It was Joe Johnson on that team. Joe Joe Johnson played the three, team. and Lowell Dang played the four. Lowell Dang was definitely on that team. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good team. Bosch getting hurt really hurt them though. Because they had to start, they just had to figure out center mm-hmm. on the fly. And then, it ended up yeah. being white side, but. No, that's. Bosch going down is the whole reason the Miami Heat has, like, no draft pick this year. And has had shitty love for draft picks. Bosch went down. Uh, we tried to trade for Josh McRoberts. Yeah, they tried a lot of guys. And Benidra Udra. We sent a first round, two first round picks for those two guys. We also Weird sent a first-round pick and a second-round pick for... I don't remember what his name was, but he always used to upset me in 2K because he was, he was, like, one of those players who was dog shit, but then for some reason they'd get good. Yep. He wasn't a good center, but we we basically traded away three first-round picks. Yeah, for they traded away a lot of dogs for mediocre players. Yeah. They kind of were in this weird state where they still wanted to be good, but they couldn't be. We weren't good enough to, like, actually compete, but we weren't bad. No, they weren't bad enough to get a high pick, but they weren't good enough to legitimately compete for anything notable. Yeah. 
So, like, they were a first-round exit, guaranteed, if they made the playoffs. Um, and they were kind of stuck between the 8 and 10 seed, like, the entire season. Because Goran Dragic and, like, an old Dwayne Wade um, for a little while there, and uh, Whiteside, James Johnson. Because um, that team made the playoffs, too. Yeah, it was like a six seed or something mm-hmm. against Charlotte that one year. But, like, even that team just wasn't... Luol Deng, I think, was still on that team somehow. Um, but, like, even that team wasn't quite bad enough to be bad, but they were good enough to compete. With yeah, them. I think we went 41 and 41. They were good enough to compete with all the low-level to mid-tier Eastern Conference teams. You just knew they couldn't beat the Cavs, mm-hmm. um, and they couldn't beat whoever the other good team they used to be that season, Boston, yeah. whomever else it would have been. They just were kind of <clears throat> stuck in purgatory. Getting Jimmy Butler in the signing trade really changed their fortunes. It was kind of funny because coming into that season last year, uh, people were kind of like, the narrative on Jimmy was that he was hard to work with. And it was kind of like, oh, how are fucking Miami going to be any good? Dude, I was so excited when Jimmy Butler signed. Because the idea was, oh, Jimmy Butler isn't even good enough to be a first option on a team that legitimately competes. He's a second option. Mm -hmm. And then, so when he got there, a lot of people were saying, oh, Miami just basically just pigeonholed themselves into another eight seed. Because it looked like they were finally blowing it up. Mm -hmm. And people have been, like, waiting for Miami to blow it up because coming into that season I thought they were going to trade I thought if Bam wasn't going to be good we were going to blow it up I thought they were going to trade Goran Dragic coming into that season and just go completely young they're going to play Harrow Bunch mm-hmm. they're going to play Kendrick Nunn a bunch they're just going to play their young guys and go for a high pick um, but they made the sign and trade for Butler I forget what they traded in that Josh Richardson yep that was a big part of it um, that's right Forgot about that. Josh Richardson's career in Philadelphia was so unnoteworthy. I feel like there was another person. And a pick. There's probably a pick for sure. Richardson. We moved off a lot of cap room that offseason, though, because we moved off Winslow, moved off Richardson in the trade, we moved off from Jay. No, not James Johnson. Yeah, they moved off James Johnson. That was the same season. year, yep. Middle of the season, they gave yep, It's we weird because that, that year lasted so long, but middle of the season, yeah. they moved off him for, um, like, next to nothing. He They managed to pinch him in. and Toss uh, him to Minnesota. Yeah, they tossed him into Minnesota. I'm trying to think of other guys that they moved off of because I feel like there was more. There definitely is more. Let they, like, rehauled their roster a lot that season. It was an interesting move that they did. It's like... But I remember coming into that season, the narrative was like, Miami is a, they've just pigeonholed themselves back into the 6-8 to eight seed range because they got Jimmy Butler, who's not quite good enough to be the first option on a contending team, and they got a bunch of young guys who we don't really know anything about. So they're just going to be a 6 seed again. Obviously, they weren't that. They were a legitimate contender that played really, really, really hard and was really good on the defensive end. But... It's just weird to think how much the narrative for one player is weird to think how much the narrative for one player, that player being Jimmy Butler. Oh, it was Josh Richardson to the uh, to the 76ers. Yep. Hassan Whiteside. Yeah, that's right. To the 
um, Blazers. It was big getting and, off his money. Yeah, and then we got Mo Harkless and Myers Leonard. Got Mo in that trade? Yeah, but then we cut him. That's right. And then we brought then him back they this year. Him back. That's right. Mo Harkless was in that deal. Yeah. That's so. I weird. think I think he put it at I think he put us at sixteen players. So mm. I think we cut him. That's so strange. Yeah, because now he's back. Mm-hmm. Got Mo Harkless out of that. Yeah, we traded, we cut him, and then we signed him in the offseason. And weirdly enough, Myers Leonard has kind of been... Dude, I love Myers Leonard. A piece. Yeah, we can stop recording now. He's just big. Yeah, we probably can. We're just, like, blabbing now. So this kind of wraps up our first uh, episode together. Uh, We don't know, really, uh, how well this is going to take off, or if you guys are going to really like it, or if people are actually going to listen, but we enjoy it, so we're going to keep trying to do this. Right. Um, I just want to thank you guys all for tuning in. And I just want to let you know that the fun fact of this week or two weeks, we haven't figured out recording schedule yet. Uh, the fun fact will be Mario Chalmers is the number one ranked player to ever come out of Alaska. Have a good night.